Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April the 1st, 2015. Happy April Fool's Day and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Hi. And Mr. Bob Ryer. I love events. <laughs> April Fool's! Oh, I couldn't think of anything good. That was good, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are back and we are ready to podcast. Stephanie is flying in the air right now, back home from Emerald City Comic Con. So, uh, yep. Uh, she shall be here uh, next week, though, to uh, regale us of her tales of, of the con. Um, but today on the show, we're going to be talking about, of course, um, our shared book of the week, uh, Multiversity Ultra Comics, which uh, <laughs> very simple, straightforward book. Yeah. Not much to, to talk about there. Um, we'll be talking about, of course, our single books of the weeks and our lightning round. Um, we have some all new, all different Avengers to talk about. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Which got announced. Um, along as as well alongside a creative team for that book, um, and uh, we have uh, a few uh, listener questions that uh, oh, we, we got we got uh, as well that we'll we'll be able to we'll be able to run through. Um, but uh, let, let's start out with the all new, all different uh, Avengers. <laughs> I hate that title. <laughs> <laughs> and just give them a new team name, or just call it. Oh God, the all all new, all different. Yeah, yeah. all new. All different Avengers. It's all too much for me. <laughs> but they're not really all different, because Sam Wilson's been an Avenger for like 30 years on and off. That's true. And the Vision has also yeah. been uh, an Avenger. And uh, we don't really know yet who's in the uh, Iron Person uh, costume. Yes. Uh, l- lots of rumors that it is possibly Pepper. Yeah. Uh, but let's just run cool. down the team yeah. right now. Uh, Captain America, uh, Sam Wilson version, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've got Iron Man. They listed as Iron Man, so we'll see how what happens with that. Um, Vision, um, Thor, uh, uh, our Lady Thor. We don't. I would say a name, but we do we not have a name. Know. We don't have a name yet. Uh, Nova, uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, and Miles Morales, Spider Man. Um, so th- the first thing I-, I think I noticed there, and again, we don't know if this is the full roster. If there's going to be another Avengers team, we don't know. We're we're at we're seven seven characters. That's it uh, on on the cover. Um, obviously a, a stark difference. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, to <laughs> to the the Hickman stuff that's happening right now, and and a lot of the most of the previous runs, which have been you know huge teams of, right. of, of of characters. So Bob, what do you think of the team and the size of the team? I think you've got a good mix of power sets. There's raw power. There's flying. There's blasting stuff going on. You you know long range weaponry. Young, I'm gonna. We still don't know about Thor. Uh, who Thor is exactly? But yeah. it's an older character. But we certainly with Ms. Marvel and Miles, we're dealing with teenagers, early twenties, mm-hmm. which is nice. People who will have 
love for the idea of being an Avenger, where so often lately it's been a chore. Now it's mm-hmm. no, I. It's very cool. I Kamala is going to be geeked. Yeah, to, to be thought of as an Avenger. I just think that. In, in the way some of the early issues where Clint Barton got to be an Avenger, though he chafed under Captain America's leadership when he first came on because it was that old guy. But it was still, it was thrilling to be an Avenger. And it's going to be nice to see that taking place depending on what world they're on. We don't know how all this is going to shake up. When does this book actually come out? Well after or no, during? No, this is the free comic book day uh, okay. book, which, the, but but all new, all different Avengers is a series that will be written, is, is the team taking over the mainline Avengers after Secret Wars is over. Okay. So we're going to get a, we're going to get a snip of it, snippet of it in, in Free Comic Book Day in May, and then um, it'll be there after uh, Secret right. Wars is done. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Steve, what did you think about the team? Um, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. A lot of what Bob said of that, it being a younger team, uh, characters within the Marvel Universe who are going to be stoked to call themselves Avengers mm-hmm. and probably really want to live up yeah. to the name. And um, I mean, all of those personalities between Kamala and Miles, watching them interact, especially with the creative team that they've put on this mm-hmm. book, I'm super excited to read it. We should say uh, Mark Wade is, uh, is writing oh. and uh, Mahmoud Asrar is, is the artist. Yes. Um, and uh, if you guys don't know his art, he's done, he's done some X-Men work recently, um, but he was the first artist on the New 52 Supergirl book. I uh, love his stuff. Which is yeah. Great, great, great stuff. Um, when we were talking about Avengers writers, did we come up with Mark Wade at some point nope, among none, us? None of us said that. So. Yeah. No. I, I think we, one of us said him for Spider-Man and one of us said him for Fantastic yeah. Four. Uh, but no. Uh, and he is technically writing a Spider-Man yeah. <laughs> in, in this. Um, so, so, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, again, Mark Wade, I'm always going to be sad that Daredevil is, his Daredevil is ending, but... For him to be what seems like taking the driver's seat of the Marvel Universe, if the Marvel Universe looks like it did, does it looks then like it does now, which is the Avengers being the the headlining mainline team, which I can't imagine it's not going to be. Um, I think that's awesome because that means he should be probably in the driver's seat of a lot of what goes on yeah. in the overall universe. So uh, I'm very fascinated to see what what that. Marvel Universe looks like. Um, of course, Mark Waid is no stranger to writing huge things and huge teams. He wrote very long run on Justice League uh, over at DC, um, and uh, I think that it's very cool. It's very cool. Also, the character roster is neat. I mean, uh, you know, unless they're changing Tony back into the red and gold, um, which I don't, I don't see that happening so soon. Um, I can't imagine this is not going to be Pepper. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like it has to be to me. Um, and, you know, I think Nova is a cool addition. Um, you know, p- part of me has that little thing about Ms. Marvel where I'm kind of like, I just I just wish that she could just be her own thing, you know, that she doesn't have to be in this big team book. She's too big. Uh, I know, she is huge. And, and uh, it's really cool. Again, I feel the same thing about Spider-Man in some ways, right? That, like, not even just Miles, but Peter as well. Like, he's been an Avenger for a while now, but those are street-level characters to me that deal with more street-level stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I wish those characters got to stay there. Not that they probably won't have their own books anyway to deal with that stuff. Are you caught up with uh, Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man? No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Um, the way that it's going now, I mean, he's been groomed to be part of bigger things mm-hmm. for at least the last two arcs. He's right. been participating in some really huge uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, cool. running around with Maria Hill and, and things of the like. So, I mean, he's... He's dealt with some pretty big stuff. Uh, and then um, the Spider-Verse Spider-verse, sure. event as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that in there. 
No, it's that's important good. stuff. It's good to know. It's good yeah. to know. Um, you know, we had a question. Uh, this is uh, at, at um, Ice Cream Genius uh, on Twitter, and he said, "With Miles Morales joining an Avengers team, when do you think we'll see six one six Miles, who was teased in Spider Man?" Um, oh right. At the end of Spider Man, you know, he looked at yeah. Miles Morales, and he, oh my god, and then you never saw what was coming uh, you know, from that. Hmm. Uh, I, I, honestly, what I think is that that's that's a cool thought. I, I just think that. Secret Wars is blowing all that stuff away. Right. And I don't think you're going to... I think that the Miles Morales that might have been that other Miles Morales and the Miles Morales in the Ultimate Universe are just going to be the same person now. I don't think that there's going to be two Miles Morales... Miles Moralesies running around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what is the plural? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, just what I think. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we don't know the mechanism yet. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. We still don't. But knowing Mark Wade, that could be an interesting story. That that yeah. mile, the the miles of the regular universe disappears, but then turns up three years later as a supervillain or something. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> like their venom or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Here's the other thing. Who do you think they're fighting on that cover? Those green hands that are coming. Those green glowing hands. Well, green and glowing says right to me the radioactive man. Right, that's what a lot of people were saying. So that'd be. Cool, but I'm thinking he's, as part of the Masters of Evil or something, he's a good character. Solo guy, you put him in a lead jacket, he's useless. <laughs> so unless it's the Masters, I think you might be doing some sort of magical character. Okay, interesting. Could it possibly be maybe a Hulk character that they're trying to... It could be glowing with, with gamma radiation yeah, as yeah. we're getting to the end of that storyline and yeah. that changing over. That's a good idea. Ringing, uh, yeah. you know, trying to bring the Hulk into the yeah. the equation. That wasn't he just doing the Hulk, right? Yes, he did the yeah. Hulk as well. Yeah, yes. Um, oh, I like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is one of the things I get most excited for, you know, as far as mm-hmm. um, when this stuff happens, when we get these big changes, as I love kind of the... The hot stove league, yeah, uh, uh, of where are the writers going to go? What are they going to be writing? What are they going to be doing? Um, you know, obviously, I think we're going to see some people staying put, but I think it's going to be tough for a lot of writers who've been writing the, the, their series for a while to just restart. Um, and, and I think that, like I, I you know, like we, we talked about this on a, on the Patreon episode, which people haven't heard, but like we talked about, you know, who was going to write what and. and um, you know where they were going to go, and you know I, I imagine slots going to be done with Spider Man and you know, so on and so forth. So um, excited to see where all that stuff kind of yeah. shakes yeah. down. Put Charles Soul somewhere. We figured him for yeah. like every book. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. stewing in humans. Yeah, um, uh, we we heard that uh, Brandon Peterson, I believe, is the artist. That's another one of the free comic book days, and it has a Johnny Storm on the on the cover. Well, there's a torch on the cover. Yeah. Do we know for certain? Because if oh, I don't those know. Are, I don't know. Those of us who've been reading the Invaders. Mm-hmm. It turns out that Toro's an inhuman. Okay. The Torch's old partner. Okay. Now, that could be Johnny Storm because yeah. he was connected to Crystal for all those years. Yeah. But yeah. until I see a release that says definitely, <laughs> I... They're going to need places for those Fantastic Four characters to go. <laughs> oh, don't, don't make me sad on April Fool's Day. <laughs> oh, man. Here's a question, though. Um, for all of, pretty much all of Bendis' run and all of Hickman's run, We've had t- at least two like two mainline Avengers books written by the main writer, right? Bendis started the new Avengers Avengers thing, mm-hmm. um, and, and Hickman continued it. Do you think we will see um, the same thing continue with two mainline Avengers books written by the same person? Will Mark Wade be writing two Avengers books? Sure. You think so? Yeah. They're going to have to have as many Avengers books as possible. <laughs> it's the way of Marvel at this point. So is A-Force continuing through? I don't think so. Uh, I think they've said that's pretty much going to be... 
um, a um, Secret Wars, a Secret thing. Wars thing because obviously you see um, uh, Thor is on both teams, so hmm. um, I don't think that I don't think that's continuing. How long Wars. is Secret Wars supposed to last? A couple months, I believe. Jeez, it's a uh, three months. I, I think. think that one's three. I think it's three months. It's like three issues yeah. a month. I think. Right. Um, as far as the main series goes, I thought that a, that A Force was going to continue. No, nope. I mean that's as far as we don't know. But no, it's uh, it's coming out. I forgot the name of the world in Battle Worlds, but it's like the, it's something that begins with an A. That's why they're the A Force. Um, <laughs> if it sells a million copies a month, it'll continue. Yeah. I'm excited for the book. I just I wish that it was going to be an ongoing. Yeah, I mean we don't know what's, yeah. what 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 right. what what all any of these series that they're bringing out these one or two issue things they're doing what they're going to mean in the future. Because if something catches on, who's to say it doesn't right. keep going? You know, Spider-Gun was supposed to be a one-issue thing, and now it's an ongoing series. That is very true. So yeah. who knows what will happen, but... Um, uh, I know, think I Wade will definitely do, too. Yeah, me too. I, I think so as well. What is going to be the all-old, all-crusty Avengers? <laughs> I... Well, you know, here's the deal. All the medicated movie, Avengers. Well, the movie may change the Avengers lineup. Yes. And so... Oh, oh I, I, I know I said I love events before, but I was kidding. We are, with this movie coming out and all the changes and them trying to rejigger at, at a certain level the books into the movies so that there's some crossover that maybe they can get this to mm-hmm. take off again on in the publishing end of it. Do you want a team of Avengers is now not in the movies? So right. do you want Cap and Thor... Is it going to be confusing if? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I mean, they've they've done it already. Right, the Hickman run has nothing to do with with them when the movie right. came out. So, uh, I, they've done differences. You know, I, I I would like to see both of these teams remain at a, at a reasonable number of people. Like like this is like seven people. I hope that it doesn't yeah. grow to be fifteen, twenty, twenty five people. If you have two teams, two small teams that have distinct, you know, distinct goals. You know, I, I mean. Um, I think that that could definitely work. Uh, and, and I think that there is a still a place to not a place, but I think there's still gonna be a demand to see to see a Avengers book. Um, with I mean, you have like you have a Captain America, you have a Thor, and you have an Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with but a, a Steve Rogers, a Tony Stark, you know, a, a, a Black Widow, yeah, um, a, a Captain Marvel, you know, some of those more classic Avengers as well happening. Um. But I think that it would be cool if this was. Hopefully, they announced it first. Hopefully, this this is the main Avengers book, and then hopefully, maybe we have something like what happened with the original X Force, which was you know the original X Men forming yeah. their own team to do whatever they were going to do. Um, something in that in that that mind, you know, something that was almost like an or even like the more modern X Force, a title like that, but with Avengers. Sure, characters. maybe they can go back after old cases that didn't yeah, get resolved exactly, properly, yeah. classic villains and so yeah, on. Yeah, sure. yeah. Something, something like that, so they're very different. So they're not both like big bombastic. I mean, much like Hickman do, was doing, um, obviously I've fallen way off of it, but at the beginning, New Avengers and Avengers, very different feeling books, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and so uh, th- that same thing I would hope uh, if they did two books for that. We'll have to see. And then will we have Secret Avengers and Junior Avengers you can and Young Avengers? Yeah. <laughs> But the Young Avengers thing is interesting because this team has a lot of youth on it. You know, like we, um, Nova obviously is a, is a teenager. Miles is a teenager. Ms. Marvel's a teenager. Um, uh, th- there's some, there's like some talk about Vision being 
Iron Lad, you know, like the Young Avengers character, oh. who's kind of like baby Vision. Um, okay. I yeah. was imagining him to be kind of like the Dragon Man of the Future Foundation, just like right. there to watch everybody <laughs> and make sure things don't go to crap. Like yeah. That. But it's the all-new, all-different Avengers. Obviously, Sam has been an Avenger, but he's never been an Avenger really as Captain right. America. Right. So this Vision, if it's a different Vision than... Mm. Right. The old time one, yeah, yeah, who was actually Wonder Man's brain patterns, right? <laughs> not, I should have talked about that. We'll do a vision show, one yeah. I <laughs> get ripped in half by the She Hulk. That'd be a good uh, accompaniment, considering that he'll be in the new movie. He will, yeah. Oh, I'm looking so forward to that. Yeah, excited to see. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's just a couple weeks away now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Yeah. That's a couple weeks away. Oh, I meant to bring it. I I got as a gift the other day a pen with a little light at the bottom of it. So I can actually now take notes in the theater without annoying anybody. Uh, oh, I saw Big Hero 6 over the weekend. Did you like it? I loved it. Nice. I loved it. Um, great uh, great aesthetic. I loved the look. Um, I, was, yeah, I remember I was watching with uh, with Karen, and I just I stopped. I was like, the hair looks so good. Yeah. The hair is like unbelievably well done. Um, but it just, I, I love the San Francisco-Tokyo mashup thing they did. Um, Baymax is obviously hilarious. Uh, awesome. Uh, I thought that, you know, obviously the story is very, it's 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 a very typical, at its core, it's a very typical yeah. story of that nature, um, but it's done really, really well, and I loved, I, I don't remember her name, I loved the girl who had like the wheels on her feet. Tomo Wagogo. Yeah, who was throwing the discs, <laughs> yeah. kept saying woman up, like that yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, like she, well, Her design, when she had her like superpower design up, was awesome. Yeah. It was like it was like Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, it was the the animation in that movie was seriously good. I watched it for a second time recently, and I mean even more so than Frozen. And and some of their something happened where they just they upped their game a little bit as yeah. far as like the body movements are concerned. Mm-hmm. Everything was very natural, and all the weight of everybody's movements was really like well yeah, dispersed. Totally. Um and. No, no spoilers, but the environment that you're introduced to within the last, like, 15, 20 minutes of that movie yeah. blew my mind. It's really cool, yeah. I was just like, oh, it was so cool. It's awesome. It's, and it's a great it's a great superhero story, you know? It, it was yep. funny watching it. Obviously, it's produced by totally different people, but it it had that feeling of a, of a Marvel movie, you mm-hmm. know? Like, that, that the kid version of a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, um... I like, you know, they've been. I guess, I guess they put out both. Was that both Frozen and that last year? No, that was no. Frozen was year before. Frozen that, was the year before. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. So, but Disney's doing a great job. Yeah, because year before that was Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah. So they've been doing a really fantastic job. Now, now they're those. working on a second one of that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, they're doing a bunch of stuff. They're doing a bunch of live action stuff now. Mulan has been announced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Cinderella did really well. Although I don't know a single person that saw it. Yeah. Uh, my friend Angela didn't loved it. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, it looked really good from the yeah. trailers I saw. It looked like it looked exactly like the you know animated feature. Yeah, what I love about the Cinderella thing is that just that it broke the mold of like zany, like the Disney doing like kind of like hyper stylized, like mm-hmm. over the top versions of their classic animated characters mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent, stuff like that. And they just they brought it back down to kind of it's just like it's a Cinderella story, you know, yeah. and, and, and kind of Brenna doing it. And it's gotten it's funny because I have really have. Little to no interest in actually seeing it because I've watched that animated movie 
I don't even know how many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I'm glad that it's it's cool that it's it's out there and it, it apparently it's a really good version. Kate Blanchett, um, Helen the Bottom Carter yeah. as the fairy godmother. Knows. Yeah, I think the cast is really cool. I watched uh, Maleficent not too long ago, maybe like two months ago, and was pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say that they were bad. I just mean no, like, no, yeah. It's cool that they didn't just keep doing like the same kind of remake right. of their right. yeah. Because I'm I mean I'm fascinated to see what Mulan is mm-hmm. because I really like that movie a lot. I feel like it's one of those movies because it's after the Lion King. Yeah. It gets it gets less attention. Um and it's actually one of the good ones post Lion King. It's one of those like two or three that's like really good as far as musicals go mm-hmm. um post Lion King. Uh and I feel like it doesn't get a ton of attention. And the live action is potential to be like a really epic yeah. battle yeah. thing going on, which I'd be very interested to see. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've still been shopping around. They've been doing it for about two years. They're trying to get the Little Mermaid live action right, going on, yeah, and yeah. just everybody that's been attached to it has dropped out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. either writing differences mm-hmm. or just what they want it to be, people were like, that's not what I want to do. They're like, well, then we'll find somebody else that will. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to see that as well, what they do with that in a modern context, mm-hmm. because that movie... While it's beloved and, and is like the is the reemergence of Disney in, in in the modern era, has a lot of like thematic, weird issue like bad things about it. Like you're just gonna remake Splash. <laughs> like the, her story and her motivations are very dicey for like the, this yeah. m- kind of time and era. Yeah. Um. Which well, the reasons why she does what she does is, is, are like really kind of sketchy. Um. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be very fascinated to see how they would update that, as well as how they would deal with like the costume angle of it you know yeah yeah the, the seashell bikini yeah yeah interesting yeah <laughs> well you could have done it in the 60s i bet you, you we'll, get, we'll get to see it, when they do it in the 80s yeah. with splash or, or maybe they might not bring it into like regular stuff they might do just a live action fantasy film yeah maybe absolutely yeah. and I, I, I i but that one doesn't map as well to me as some of the other ones you know yeah no that's yeah. definitely i know that stephanie will be that one will be under high scrutiny mm. yeah. from her yeah, they're doing Beauty and the Beast too, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yep, yep. Um, Which let's... is considering it was a live-action French film in the forties. Yeah, <laughs> it's come all. That's the what it's going to be for the next couple of years. They're going to just turn everything into live action. Yep, they're good. Yeah, you no, know, I don't have a problem with it so long as they, you know, Disney always manages to do something like you have a smile on your face when you watch their movies. Yeah. Even yeah. even the bad ones are still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if if you can, as long as we get. A, a, an original thing every year i don't mind if we get mm-hmm. a, like a remake thing every year like that, that doesn't bother me but right um but yeah so we'll have to, we'll have to to see how all that stuff goes but yeah that that whole slew of things is, is fascinating to me i'm still waiting for the game plan too <laughs> the rock is busy now i know but he's got his san andreas movie coming out this year his disaster movie um, oh, it's not based on GTA? No, it's oh, not. it's disappointing. It's like a big earthquake movie in Los Angeles. And didn't Did he just mention that he's not double dipping on Shazam? That he's not both characters? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes. We were talking about Disney, so it's totally relevant. Did you see his thing on SNL when he was uh, Bambi's Revenge? I saw a picture what? of it. I didn't see oh, it. Oh, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's him and a bunch. Of, it's like the Furious, Furious 7 or oh, whatever, okay. but... It's the sequel to Bambi, and Bambi's like been like he's all jacked up. It's the Rock, and he comes back, and he's bringing guns and going after the hunters. And it's, I clicked on it, being like, "Oh come on!" And then I watched it. It was actually pretty damn funny. <laughs> well, oh, did man. you ever? You don't need to review this for Ink and Pixel, but did you ever mm-hmm. see Bambi versus Godzilla? Yes, yes, I have <laughs> all thirty-eight seconds of it, or whatever it is. Yep, I actually know. I used it when I did Bambi. One of like the clickable things oh, okay. in my article yeah. was that short film. 
Um, yeah, I just did one for the Fifth Element last week, and this week I worked on um, the Pirates Band of Misfits from Ardman, oh. the people that did uh, Chicken Run, and uh, pretty cool. Is that one that one stop motion, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they, they did one that wasn't stop motion, flushed away. Flushed away is like or, the yeah. Bond one. Yeah, yeah. This is like um, the bunch of pirates are involved gotcha. in a contest. Whoever finds the most booty at the end of the year gets Pirate of the Year, okay. and they end up. Uh, kidnapping charles darwin who recognizes a the last living dodo is like the mascot of their boat and he tries to swindle them into going to a bunch of stuff it's pretty cool it's entertaining if you like ardman and you like wallace and gromit and stuff that they do uh it's totally worth checking out if you don't like wallace and gromit you really don't have a soul I no, don't go, it's got like go away you cannot yeah. like wallace and gromit the uh, covers of the week this week <laughs> yeah i mean aside from like like Leica, like the para, uh, Paranorman mm. and stuff like that, Ardman's the only other person in the game yep. that's, that's doing that level mm. of stuff and puts like that much care. They don't even do very much of it anymore. Like, when's the last well, their, their warehouse burned down, yeah, burned down and they it. had to recover from yeah. all, they lost everything. Yeah. So, But I felt bad about that Pirates movie and I wanted desperately to see it. I'm a big fan of everything they do. There were two casts. There were two voice casts. There's an American cast oh, yeah, and, yeah, and right. an English cast. I don't want to hear Al Roker. <laughs> you know, I want the, the English cast. I've, I'm now drawing a blank. I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but it's, oh, I, I definitely. You didn't, know we, you didn't know we were going to talk about Pirates Band of Misfits? No, <laughs> it was off the beaten path. <laughs> but it's sort of like, no, I don't. Al Roker, no. Do the weather. Leave me alone. <laughs> You've got a couple of good people in that movie. You got uh, David Tennant is Darwin. So that's pretty that's cool. That's great. I like that. He doesn't, yeah, but okay. Doesn't balance off Al Roker. So. <laughs> it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Now I'm not oh, talking about his weight. Money, I'm not even going he? there. Who? Al Roker? Yeah. No. He should. <laughs> he should. This winter he should owe he me money. He should owe him money. All right, let's move on to some books. <laughs> well, I'm on a rant now. Let's go to the lightning round. Let's pass uh, let's pass these pirates and go on, on to uh, some lightning round. Steve. Arr. Yeah. You've got three minutes. All right. And go. Okay, so some of the cool books I checked out this week uh, is uh, The Black Hood Number 2 from Dark Circle Comics. This book is intriguing me. I like it in that it's, it's very spiraling. You're, you're following this dude, this, this kind of disgraced cop who's now become a vigilante, and he's got a drug habit, and the drugs are – he's upping the game. He's upping his drug, his personal drug game, and it's really warping him out. And he's kind of fallen into the Black Hood and what it is and what it symbolizes within the city. And he's now kind of dispatching his own harsh justice. But all all that kind of stuff has consequences in the end. And the book just continues to, to keep my, my attention. I really enjoyed the first issue. And this one was just as good, if not better. Uh, new book from Matt Kent uh, is Pastaways. Uh, Pass Crazy sci-fi kind of thing where... Uh, creatures from uh, different times are now showing up in this world and it's time for a band of like misfit heroes and anti-heroes to get the band back together again and whoop some ass that's that's about what it is that's right good. yeah definitely yeah. all right uh really cool matt kent i i really dig his stuff on mind management and um some of his other guest stuff and he's been doing a lot of things at valiant these days and uh i'm just kind of psyched to see where this goes and my last one is Gem and the Holograms, number one. I was pleasantly surprised by this. Um, Sing No Evil was one of my books, my touted books from last year. I really enjoy comics that deal with the music industry in whatever form. And it was interesting to watch this girl who can't sing in front of crowds and, and who gets um, anxiety 
finds a way of transforming herself to kind of put a a new guise or a new mask to, to empower her in order to be the rock star that she is deep down. Um, and it's filled it's filled out by a cast of really um, endearing and funny, friendly characters. Um, the character chemistry is pretty much what drove this book for me, and uh, the art is also really vibrant and beautiful. And that's my lightning round. I beat the clock. You did. Oh, by a lot. By a lot. How much time? You have 48 seconds yeah. left. Did throw, I really? Throw something yeah. else in there. Go, go, go. Ah, all right. Colors, they're cool. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what else can I say about this? It's, I thought it was first... Do you, no, watch, do you ever watch the cartoon? No, I didn't read the car. I didn't watch the cartoon, and that's kind of what uh, threw me a little bit. In that, I was a little disappointed at the idea of her needing something else in order to be able to mm-hmm. feel like express what she's feeling mm-hmm. on the inside. But I mean, that's the whole that's the whole thing, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if it's if it's a costume or not because people wear costumes when they perform all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I had a band and I was singing. I really wouldn't even look at the crowd. I would have to look at the, the back of the room where I would just go somewhere in my head. And that made me comfortable. It's like the same thing with doing the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and like, it's you, but it's not you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'll continue to collect it, but I might check it out in trade. Uh, my pull list is a little too big to keep on, to keep something like this yeah. on it. Um, but again, a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Yeah, it looks very week. nice. It was beautiful. Yeah. It really is. The the colors specifically are just I love it. Yeah, I mean it's it was it was a fun book. You know, I it's pretty. I you know, I I'm anxious to see what Stephanie thought of it because I know she was very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I have seen the cartoon, like I know the name and I've and I know I've seen it, but I don't really remember it very well. Yeah. I I read the letter in the back. I didn't realize Christy Marks created Gem and the Holograms. No. I didn't know that at all. Um, there's a very nice letter in the back, by the way. Uh, um, Kelly Thompson is that her name? The yep. writer, yeah. Yeah. So she, that she read, that's great. Uh, you know, but I, I thought that what I what I will say the most about it is I feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like a book just trying to cash in on some past nostalgia or something like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like its own series. It feels like it has its own point um, and. There feels like a lot of good craftsmanship behind what they're doing. You know, it doesn't doesn't feel like an an eighties nostalgia play. So right. that's, that's the best kind of tie-in books. Yeah, I mean, you, we've heard a lot of debate over the months mm-hmm. from certain people mm-hmm. in the industry about you know what are real books and what are not. Everything can be done with art and craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a tie-in or a novelization of a movie that's already been out, you can bring something else to it different point of view a different slant that gives you something you didn't think you were going to get before yeah so there you go absolutely um and i really enjoyed uh Pastaways as well yeah. uh you know it's it, it, it it's funny because the plot is absolutely as straightforward as you were as you were saying mm-hmm. what actually happens in the book yeah is pretty crazy um there's like a mini dragon that shoots like poison out of its butt yeah oh it sprays it sprays poison out of its butt <laughs> So, <laughs> so it's a skunk yeah. But dragon. I mean, like you got like some crazy misfits in this book. You yeah, got yeah, this, yeah. this homunculus uh, character. I, I, I guess a female character, but I mean, she is a bruiser. She's yeah. she's she's nasty, and and I love it. You got this other person that's like in the process of of committing suicide uh, because it dulls her powers. It's like they 
they're immortals and she's been trying to discover a way to shuffle off the mortal coil forever and nothing's mm. worked and she's become obsessed with trying to kill herself and now she's with like the call to arms there's been this reason for her to put that stuff away and go and have you know another adventure mm. and it's you know like i i like his writing yeah. a lot he's uh he's a super smart guy yeah and uh i i don't know i i'm in the mood for a for a good weird team book and this is weird yeah uh, scott <laughs> collins is the artist on it it's not i always should point out kint's not doing the art on the book oh yes um and it's really good it's really really nice looking stuff and it continues the tradition of matt kent using like every single inch uh, of of an issue yeah. to tell his story. There's front cover stuff. There's inside cover stuff. There's back cover stuff. Everything wow. only really yep. only the back inside back cover mm-hmm. is not Matt Kent. There's even a, a um, mind management tie-in in yeah. the back. Like yeah, a, like a five-page, six-page tie-in. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. You know, it's one of those books where I read it and I was kind of like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. And then as I kind of thought about it. Later, it kind of something. I was like, "That was cool." Like, I had these. That was interesting, and that was interesting. Like, it, the world reminded me a little bit of, um, th- like the something like Battling Boy or Aurora West. Like yeah. the like the like the things seem normal, but they're just like a little bit bizarre, and they don't really explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, that book I talked about, uh, Capra, a, a, a few months ago, same kind of deal. Uh, so I liked that about it, and, and it, it stuck with me. There were definitely moments where I was like, I don't understand what just happened there. But yep. then I went back and I was like, okay, I, I can I can get this now. I like how all the characters that are supposed to be like the saviors of this situation are all kind of terrible people in yeah, one yeah. way or another. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're all like severely disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I pretty cool. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about. We talked about last week. We talked about Chrononauts, right? And th- this is this is kind of what. Uh, I meant by saying like it needs to have something about it that differentiates itself mm-hmm. from it, and that's yeah. what this does. Like it's like this is something different. Like it's it's got a different bent to it. And with this and Chrononauts and Eight, which are all kind of very similar, they all occupy like a very similar milieu. Um, uh, it's nice to see something that that kind of stands above uh, that. So yeah, or stands apart from it, not above it really, but apart from it. All right, Bobby, you ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Lightning round. You have three minutes. Go. New Avengers 32. Thor and Hyperion race toward a date with Destiny and Valhalla. Can they reach it before? Time runs Thank out. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Conan Red Sonya number three. It's Gail Simone, Jim Zub. Each issue so far has brought us forwards in time as the two warriors seem to always keep finding each other. In this case, it's a, they face off against the hordes of a king seeking vengeance. Uh, after a quick victory, it looks as if a hookup is imminent when a threat from the past reemerges. Now, all I can say is there's only one more issue of this. If you haven't picked it up, trade weight. But if you love either one of these characters or Robert E. Howard, you do want to pick that up. Also written by Gail Simone's uh, Red Sonia 15. And we pick up on the storyline where she's been cursed by an evil wizard. Uh, she's dispatched a, a wizard for a village who hired her. He, in his dying breath, cursed her with being unable to forgive, which has caused her more problems than she would have thought of or anyone would have. In this issue, we open with her doing something really hideous, as I showed Bobby before. She actually rips her hands to shreds. Oh, my God. So that she can't <laughs> kill anyone else. What? Yeah. <laughs> However, evil wizard's brother shows up. And she's got to do the right thing. This is and an amazing just, cover, by the way. Yeah, uh, Stephanie Buscema. Just, just amazing. an amazing book has been from the start. Uh, Gotham Academy number six. Becky Cloonan, uh, Brent Fletcher, Carl Ketcher, and Minge Helen 
Chen on the flashback it. scenes. Nice wrap up so forth to this first arc. Some connections explained, such as Killer Croc and and all of his mom Sybil, and some left unconnected. Ba-ba-bum. And moving forward, Batman appears, so that's always good. But <laughs> just a really nice look at a, a part of Gotham we've not seen before. Uh, in retrospect, we're going backwards, and I have time. Oh, good, I worked this out pretty well. It's Fantastic Four number two forty-five from nineteen eighty-one. Because with <laughs> look. With Fantastic Four coming to an end, I'm no, I was just going through the boxes, and I actually found some artwork that I highlighted on the shelf from two, uh, on the forums from two, 247. But in this one, Sue's being interviewed by Barbara Walker, read uh, into whoever you like, who's rather dismissive of Sue's role in the Fantastic Four, and Sue's sort of like, you know, you, don't, you know nothing, so who cares, and I'll just go home to my family. Gets back to the Baxter building, no power. Uh, Reed and Ben unconscious. She discovers Johnny being attacked by this blonde guy with long hair and a beard she knocks johnny out she battles him he's very powerful and she's holding her own battling's up out in the street crowds everywhere and all he wants is an answer his answer and she looks him in the eye and gets and gives it to him it's franklin whose powers have managed that he's grown himself up Hmm. uh there's some little sidebar stuff and one of I was going to spoil this. I'm not going to spoil this. One of the most poignant endings in Marvel Comics history in this book. Not going to spoil it? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Unless you'd want me to. I think you should spoil it. Okay. (laughs) Well, what we have, a couple of issues before, Reed tried to cure Ben, and all he ended, ended up doing was turning him back into this rocky dinosaur hide character that he was at the very beginning. And at that point, Reed says to him, I can't fix you anymore that you're like this. The grown-up Franklin, he and Reed are, are now talking, though, as, as Ben describes it, he's talking like a kid, trying to talk like a grown-up to his father. It's like, what this nonsense going on? Franklin says to Reed, I can cure Uncle Ben. And he walks over to him and puts his hands on him. And oh, I'm going to go for it. What the <laughs> heck? We'll just, we'll just go for this. And he, he's reaching into his mind, and it doesn't happen. He turns back into the rocky thing that we all know, and Reed gives his speech, well, now at least you're back to where I may be able to fix you again. Uh, so Ben and Alicia, I'm getting, I'm getting misty. Ben and Alicia, <laughs> ben and Alicia wander off, uh, and Sue says to Reed, but Reed, didn't Franklin say his power was capable of anything? Why couldn't he cure Ben? He could have, Sue. But when he reached into Ben's mind, he discovered something, something I failed to consider in all my attempts to cure the thing. Ben has said many times he fears Alicia loves him only as the thing, and although she's denied that in both word and deed, it is a deep-rooted fear. Had Franklin cured him, it might well have caused Ben severe trauma. There is the tragedy. The beautiful, blind Alicia is the one spark of joy in Ben's life, yet so long as she loves him, as long as he loves her, his mind will reject all cures. So long as there is Alicia, he will always be the thing. Some powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, FF245, John Byrne. All right. Read it. Love it. <laughs> yes. Um, I just want to say, I loved the, uh, in, the, in Gotham Academy, I loved the uh, flashback art. I thought it was great. Yes. I'm not going to try to say the artist's name because you said it already. And so I'll, I'll take Hopefully it's right or I'll wrong. I'll take that well, as the uh, And the end made me particularly happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the very mm-hmm. end. I was like, this is going to be awesome. 
Um, so I'm, I'm very, very yeah. keen. We have to wait a couple of months. We do, but still, I'm very excited. Something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. it's something, definitely something to look forward to. All right. Here we go. Uh, my lightning round. And go. All right. So we've got uh, Dave, number two. Uh, this is uh, Ryan Ferrier and Valentine uh, Ramon again. Uh, this is my book of the week. A few a few weeks ago, a month ago now. Um, continues to be really awesome and funny and just uh, a, a great, great book with ridiculously cool art and uh, a really cheeky but, um, you know, interesting and believable story even though we're dealing with some really really bonkers stuff um but i i, I love it i think it's great and, and the 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 kid in it i say in quotes because he's just a robot right. kid but he's so annoying but it's <laughs> in like the, in a good way in that way that you want it to be annoying um the valiant number four uh from valiant comics uh this is the wrap-up of this four issue arc uh where we saw um, this ultimate ancient evil coming up, trying to kill this character named the Geomancer. Um, and I think it ended up being a, a really solid series. You know, I think that the ending was unexpected. I didn't really expect where it went. Um, and, you know, the, the one criticism I'll give of it is that I feel like it's kind of, it, it feels a lot like a lot of like the Marvel event ends feel like, which is like, Okay, it's over, but here now go read all these other books. Right. Like that, that, that's what it feels yeah. like a little bit to me. Um, but across the board, really good stuff, really cool action scenes, um, really awesome bloodshot stuff, which is a character I don't really know very well at all because it's mm-hmm. one of the ones I just haven't been interested in reading. Uh, really cool, and the end with the character leads into what Lemire is going to be doing with him, which totally changes his status quo, uh, hmm. totally and completely. Uh, so that was, it was it was it was very good. Um, but I felt like the middle two issues were definitely the best of, of, of the, of the series. Uh, and, uh, Daredevil number 14, uh, Mark Wade, Chris Samney, we are, we're heading towards the end of, of their run. And it feels to me like Mark Wade is just, just deciding he's going to do every Daredevil story he possibly wants to do. And, and, and he's going to end, you know, if he, he's going to end this, his run, he's going to end it in style. And, uh, in this issue we see basically, uh, Kristen McDuffie's father, who is paying Matt a ridiculous amount of money to write a memoir about mm-hmm. being Daredevil, says, you know, asks him, like, why do you wear the mask? And everyone knows who you are. Yeah. And Matt says, you know what? I don't really know. Like, I, I, it's kind of out of habit. You know, obviously before it was protect people. Now it's out of mm-hmm. habit. And so Matt decides to kind of go all in on this, like, dual persona so he can be kind of daredevil and matt murdoch everywhere and so he gets this ridiculous red suit made with this red coat um and he he busts in on uh, he's late for a trial he busts in and he says daredevil for the defense <laughs> and so he's got like a dd bu- buckle on he carries the cane still and he's fighting crime and and you know working cases in in, in the same outfit and it's really wonderful stuff you know it continues to be awesome who do you think is this taylor <laughs> I don't does he know. have somebody on retainer that just kind of makes these things? He's certainly not sewing them up at night. Maybe no, foggy. He, he's definitely not. He sewed his first one. They even <laughs> explained it. He could feel the difference in the color in the fabric because of his <laughs> sense of touch. I'm picturing like foggy and his uh, his groups at the hospital sewing stuff for yeah. Daredevil. <laughs> well, foggy is ghostwriting his memoirs. That is true. <laughs> I'm so glad that they kept him around. Yeah, that would have been sad. Which is really really great. I mean, they show him at the tailor. They have a oh, oh they do there haircut, you go. and then he's at the tailor. That's the guy. Yeah. Oh man, he's set for life. Yeah, and I love. Is he the guy who sews all the rogues costumes uh, in the Flash? Maybe they had yeah. one of those too. Um, he, I, I just love 
I, I love how into it he is and how not into it Kristen is. Yeah. Like she's just completely like you're an idiot. <laughs> this is you're a hundred percent an idiot. He did something different with his hair too. He sh- he shaved it off. He, uh, yeah, yeah. That's... I like the swoop. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say though is, I mean, and the cool thing about this issue, much like all the other issues, is that they have this little thing that they're doing, which is funny and light and cool. But they also have this kind of larger, darker thing that's going on in the under in the underworld that I think is also really cool. So, uh, hits on, hits on both notes to me. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm sad it's ending. Like I said, but I, I'm excited to see, uh, how everything comes together. I mean, what do we got one? I think it's, that's not, I think it's two. Mm. I think it's two issues. I love that book. Yeah. Is uh, it continuing with someone new? I would somewhere? assume Daredevil is going to be back with after the TV show coming Super Wars. Yeah. Reasonably soon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's in a, week a week and yeah. a half yeah yeah the 10th the 10th of april so good um so excited for that so uh, yeah it's uh you know mark wade for a while now i, I think it was a few months ago or maybe more than that now you know said he has he said the longest concurrent run on daredevil ever wow so yeah. uh yeah i mean when, i think when it's all said and done i mean i've said it a million times but i think it's a book that Everybody should be reading, and if you haven't read it, go pick up the trades and, and read it because it's just a fantastic, fantastic book, month in and month out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that is it for our lightning rounds. I'm gonna before we go into our books of the week. Oh, I'm gonna oh, change it. You want to talk about how I finished Parks and Rec? No, we're not gonna talk about. No. <laughs> talk about the Patreon episode. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so uh, this is from uh, Stimu- Stim- Stimuli File on Twitter, and it says. How do you all consume comics? Monthly versus trades, digital versus paper, or hardcovers? Just curious. Steve, I'm going to ask you, because in the last couple of weeks, you've brought over a lot of trades of, of series that you yes. hadn't been reading monthly. So is that something you've been doing more lately, is buying yeah. current trades? Yeah, I've been um, been trying to make a conscious effort, especially when it comes to some of the image stuff. Uh, I am very much a physical media guy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we do from certain publishers, they're uh, kind enough to put us on their lists and we can read some stuff. One of those includes image, but I, they're nine ninety nine trades. Like that's almost, I mean, the, the book that I'm going to talk about tonight is from image and it's got five issues in it. And I, I feel like I got five volumes uh, <laughs> just because of the type of book that it is. And I'll explain a little bit of that in a minute, but um as far as how I consume them, first of all, I consume way too much. <laughs> I have tried like hell to get my uh, pull list down, but it seems like every time something ends, something else begins. And now we have two like major shifts in the big two, so it's just going to get worse. Um, I've been trying to be patient. I've found that I'm not, I'm not getting spoiled so much on other stuff um, as far as like social media and things mm-hmm. like that. As much as people talk about comics, the the in-depth comic talk or the, hey, I read this, what would you guys think of it? And like a series of replies has kind of tapered off in like the last couple of months or at least within like my circle of influence. There really hasn't been so much so... I've just I've gotten more comfortable with waiting and there are certain things that I do still buy. It's like something like Deadly Class that I talked about a few weeks ago. I collected a whole arc before I even read it at all. Um but there are certain series that I just I feel so passionately about or or loved so much that I continue to support them and stuff like that. Um but other books it's been word of mouth 
we did we did something on the site not too long ago where we were asking people at the end of the year, you know, different um, personalities from around the internet, like what their favorite stuff was. And uh, Joey Esposito had mentioned Roche Limit, mm-hmm. and what he talked about has been like a huge thing of me going back. I also have stocked up a couple of like Amazon gift cards mm-hmm. and going over to Justin's place to go and do the Talking Games podcast mm-hmm. and seeing like his immaculate, gorgeous yeah. wall of comics. The way that is, I've gotten more into collecting the trades and collecting like nice hard covers of things. Not so much for the presentation because all of my stuff like that is in my bedroom and nobody sees it anyway. But for me, when I look at the wall, it's becoming a little bit more formed Mm. and I'm enjoying that. Yeah. And um, I'm also double dipping on a couple of things because they are so cheap when they first come out that if I really do like something, I do like to support the creators and the label and everything like that. And if it's nine ninety nine, or if it's supposed to be fourteen ninety nine, but is like eleven ninety nine on on Amazon, I'll grab it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I read every week. There's a lot of things that I just can't let go. My curiosity, my wanting to stay in touch with certain characters and certain stories, um, is very much important to me. I, that said, and I'll shut up in a minute. I've made a lot of mistakes as well in the past couple of months i've collected a lot of things that upon looking into them like the black vortex thing that's going mm-hmm. on in marvel right now that thing is huge mm-hmm. it's huge and i looked at the list when it was first announced and i was like oh i'll just pick up the mainline stuff and that's really hard to do i had to go and buy legendary star lord that i'm not mm-hmm. getting anymore nova that i haven't gotten for a while and i just like three issues into the black vortex stuff I stopped and now I have like three issues of a comic something that I'm not going to read. I'm Mm. just going to get the collected thing when it comes out to read that event in one chunk. Mm. And you're talking about like 14 wasted dollars. Mm -hmm. So for all that I consume, I need to be smarter. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been trying to do in collecting the trades and just being patient and holding off, knowing that image delivers very quickly and for a, more than reasonable price even if it's like even if it's not great you're you're paying more or less for the the price of two issues you're getting the trade at the end that's true you know plus a lot of like supplemental stuff and whatever in the back uh i can deal with missing the letter section Mm -hmm. if i have to and that's not always in image books anyway yeah absolutely um so yeah those are a few of my habits good and bad yeah i mean for me part of it for me is ritual right like i like Ritual and time, because I like reading. I like being like, usually not usually Wednesday night or Thursday night. I'll sit down and I'll read like three or four books, and then Friday I'll do the same thing. And like I like that feeling, like either winds down my night or starts my morning. Like it's it's one of those two things, and I like that. I also like, um, you know, obviously like um, this is just in, not even just in regular life, but in media form. Like there's movies to watch, there's books to read, yep. there's mm-hmm. video games to play, there's TV to watch. So it's like I like the fact that I can sit down and read a comic in ten minutes, and it's like okay, it's done. And next month I'll read another 10 minutes of this, you know? So it's not like a hour long, you know, commitment. Uh, I like that. Uh, that being said, I agree with Steven in the fact that like I have collected books before and then never read the single issues, you know? And, and, and sometimes they've been bad. No, usually bad, but sometimes they've been like, I just wasn't into, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I bought, but there's also things where I'll buy books month to month just because I want to support, the book month to month, and then also buy the trade. Like I do that with Nailbiter, 
you know, and stuff like that because uh, I think that book is really cool and it's not, you know, like a runaway success. So I like to, you know, every month I'll buy it so that it so those numbers still exist in some form or another. Yeah. Um, that being said, there's certain books like, but Steve's absolutely right. Like, I, I feel like unless it's something huge that happens, there isn't a lot of talk about like individual plot lines. People, I think, have gotten very good as far as at least people that, like you said, Steve, that we interact with at not spoiling things. Um, that being said, there are certain books, Saga, Batman. Like I, I know I have to read them like the night they come out. See, that's a good example. Yeah. I have the, I guess there's two issues of the newest arc of Saga. Yeah, and the newest one comes out today. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I have not read any of them yet. Okay, but I'm still buying them. Well, I mean, but you know it's gonna be great. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I have I have sex criminals. I have two issues of sex criminals. I haven't read. Mm-hmm. I have a stack of like why I have a to read pile and a why haven't I read pile. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so there's that, that, that tough part for me too. I love buying trades. It's just that my problem with buying trades is not that they're too expensive or that I don't, I, I don't like the practice of it is that I honestly just forget. Like, I'm like, I'm going to buy this book when it comes out in trade. And then I just forget about mm-hmm. it. And then I'm like, Oh, there's like four volumes of Fatal out. <laughs> you know, yes. like that definitely happened yeah. to me. I was like, I want to buy Fatal when it comes out in trade. And then before I knew it, it was like the fourth volume was out, and I was like, yeah. yeah, it's been a long time since I read an issue of Fatal. That's the other thing. I read the first arc of Fatal. I have every single, single issue mm-hmm. of that. It's all out now. Yeah. And in, like, omnibus form or volume form, mm-hmm. too, that I could have just saved myself all the time and money and yeah. whatever and just bought those. But I have them in that same thing with mind management. Mm-hmm. I read the first arc, have collected every one, haven't read a damn thing past that first arc. Gotcha. But yeah. it's almost over. Yeah. Last arc. <laughs> Will you buy the trades then? I might. Those hard yeah. covers. Yeah, those, yeah, those dark horse hard covers yeah. are gorgeous. Yeah, they're great. Um, Bob, what about you? I read so many superhero comics month to month because you're talking about habit. Yeah. I get an itch to read maybe not four Avengers books a month. Right. But Three weeks go by, it's, oh, I need to read the next Ms. Marvel or the right. next Eva- Invaders or whatever it is. And that's just a habit of a half a century. Mm-hmm. I do trade weight a lot of things, and my itch gets in the way of that. I I want to read some more Velvet so badly, mm-hmm. and it's not the next trade is coming, and it's less than all these books we're going to be. I, right. Wait, yeah. just wait a little bit. And they tend to read better anyway. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, they seem yeah. like novels and movies as mm-hmm. opposed to TV episodes mm-hmm. in the longer form. But I, as you say, you also want to support some of these creators, so I find myself buying at least the first issue of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that. I, that's my main practice. I will buy issue number one of just about anything, and it, that's kind of like my, my my like preview guide. It's yes. kind of like okay, this is really good, but I'm definitely going to want to read this in a in a large chunk format. Yeah. yeah. Now, where I went against myself totally was Lady Killer, the fourth mm. issue of which comes out today, where I just kept getting drawn in by the covers. I, I, I want to read this. I'd look at it in the store. And when I decided at issue two to buy issue one, it had gone out of print and was commanding big money. If it wasn't for <laughs> our friend Rob, I'd have been out of the loop. And so now it's, okay, I have one and two, and I just bought three, and I'm going to buy number four, and I'll buy number five, and I'll buy a trade two. Mm-hmm. Because it was just so great and it sold nothing. Right. It's like, okay, if I buy enough of them and I yak it up enough and the trade sells, maybe there'll be some more of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, and it's actually, it's funny. The, with image books, I'm almost always like, I would rather read this in trade. But with the superhero stuff, I have little to no interest in ever buying trade versions yes. of any of the monthly series that I buy. Yeah. You know, like, 
Batman is probably something I'll collect when it's all done. When Snyder's run is all done, I'll buy it all so I can have it. And I can read it again in its in an easier yeah. to digest format. Um, there's certain things like that that I definitely want to have, you know. Uh, but like, I kind of want like the Jeff Johns Aquaman stuff in trade form so I can just read it, you know. Be but cool. but like. Um, like Spider-Man, like, you know, books that I love, like Batman and Robin, which I'm going to talk about soon, like books mm-hmm. like that. I just, like, I can never imagine sitting down and reading them, like, en masse in trade form. I don't know why that is, but it's just, it's just the I, this is my way my brain works. Yeah. I mean, for something like Batman and Robin, for me, I mean, we'll talk about one of the issues in a bit, but um, there's such, I mean, it's so good. Oh, like, it's, it's fantastic! So good. Yeah, I love I I love knowing that something that's been consistently as good as that book has been, that run has been, that like I have that coming to me every month. Yes, that when that book comes out, like there's at least something in the pile that I can count on. If something else lets me down, mm-hmm. that I'm gonna pick up Batman or Robin and just be like, you know, fist pumpingly like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, it happens every time with that book. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree. And that's part of that the 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 habit of it too, right? It's yeah. that great feeling of like, yes. Like this month, this is coming out, and I didn't get to choose when it came out. I didn't get to choose when I read it. It's just it's here, and you know, yeah. I, there's it's like almost like that curriculum thing for school, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, I never would have read this book if I hadn't got assigned at school, yeah. but I love this book, and yeah. I like that aspect of of comics that they like kind of like okay, I got to read this this yeah. month because it's here. It's like you close, like you you finish it, you close the book at the end, and you just kind of like you're like yes, mm-hmm. you know, like another another piece of the puzzle has fallen into. Like it's not one of those things where you need to really think about it to mm-hmm. catch yourself back up. You're so invested in that story already that it's like you know you had just put the last issue down the night before mm-hmm. because it's that it's that important to you and it's that fresh and it's just I like knowing that there are a couple of books that I'm guaranteed to get that off of. When I was reading Sheltered, that was one of those things yeah. that immediately when I opened up that first page, I was right back into that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a month-to-month comic books, more like weekly television, and the trades are the special event programming? Yeah, I mean... I th- when the season comes to Blu-ray and DVD. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like, oh, I can't wait to watch, you know, like... Uh, like True Detective, but I want to watch it all together. I don't want to watch it right. week to week. I want to watch it all in mass. Yeah. You know, and it's like, or it's like iZombie or The Flash, which I just love watching. I'm like, this is awesome. I watched 40 minutes and this is great. Like, this is mm-hmm. exactly what I, w- I wanted right now. And then it's like, let's move on to the next thing, you know? Um, Speaking of The Flash, should we talk about... Which thing? The, the spinoff? Oh, the spinoff, right. Yeah, yeah. Hawk Girl. They announced Hawk Girl is going to be in the Arrow Flash spinoff. So is Arthur Darville from Doctor Who. Yeah, he's playing yeah. a villain, I believe. No, right? he's playing Rip Hunter. Oh, playing Rip Hunter. Rip Hunter, that's Hunter right. the time, time master. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got a, a hawk girl who's reincarnated, though she grows her wings, yes. which is a little different. Yeah, but to go all the way back to the original idea of reincarnated heroes and so on, yeah, yeah looks very interesting. That's, I mean, that that aspect of like they said, hawk girl, and like for some reason, even though the Flash is on and it's just doing all the crazy stuff that superhero mm-hmm. shows do, I still think of it as like the Arrow universe. So when I see the hawk girl now, it's, I'm like, so how are they gonna make like hawk girl like <laughs> more like grounded like 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 a real how, how could it yeah. really happen like no she's just a a reincarnated warrior you know yeah, like, warrior princess yeah. from some other planet or yeah, whatever I'm like, yeah okay yeah. awesome and what what is starting to come the details are starting to emerge about the show right is that like it's going to be almost like a like a brave and the bold type mm-hmm. of like it's going to switch off between characters teaming up like a like kind of like a marvel team up or whatever sort yeah. of situation which i think is great it's it's a really great idea because you don't have to get these you get actors to commit to 
whole 24 episode season <laughs> three or four do a little arc move on yeah, yeah yeah i think that's a really cool thing and it's almost anthology related and i i i, I don't know how successful it's going to be because i don't know what the hell they're going to call it for one thing yeah. um it's I, i'm very interested to see what they call it because you know it's not like it has a like, main character they can just call it that brave and the bold sounds good brave and the bold would be awesome yeah. if they called the brave and the bold i'm gonna have like a little mini joygasm <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fangasm yeah exactly but but that's the thing you can do with this now instead of the I'm gonna have, end up buying the flash on mm-hmm. on disc because I think I did miss the boat but the, the first episode I kept trying and the tragedy added to his origin put mm-hmm. me off a little bit and so and so forth but all this cool stuff that's going on Mark Hamill mm-hmm. as the trickster back from the old that's days this week that's, I think that's yeah. tonight it's tonight yeah. I'm just really into it but now I can't watch until I see the, the build up to it so <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to wait for the trade <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's worth, worth waiting for. Yeah. Here you have, it could be sciency. Mm-hmm. You've got time travel and the atom and all this other stuff. You could have reincarnation and magic. If you want to bring Dr. Fate into this, mm-hmm. you certainly could. Zatanna, if mm-hmm. need be. Yeah. Everything in the B level DC universe is now there. Yeah. Very intriguing for me. Absolutely. More so than the main shows. Yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. And I think that they've said that Captain Cold is going to be on it. So you have, you have a villain. Awesome. And he, like, this last episode of The Flash, like, yeah. he was amazing. I just it. watched it before I came here. He's just so Captain Cold. Like, it's just, it's perfect. Um, and uh, so I'm really excited to see how that all shakes out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the origin thing, like, that's something that's been in the comics for, right. oh, since I think I think the Jeff Johns era mm-hmm. of, of the character. Um, but, yeah, and they're dealing with that. It's so funny, because one of the first things I read when I first started getting back into comics was Flash Rebirth. Um, and also Flashpoint, yeah. which are the first things. And, like, the stuff that they're doing in the show is so similar. Like I'm like, I've never watched a show that reproduced like something that I like, I, I so succinctly that I did in a comic yeah. book, you know? So it's been cool. It's been really cool. Um, I'm very excited about that spinoff show. I'm excited about, I'm excited that Supergirl is part of that trio yes. as well, yeah. and that they'll be able to cross over there as well. And I, I'm very interested what they bring into that show. Like, dealing with high powered beings and stuff like that. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, the, con- I, I'm, the thing I'm interested in that show is the conceit. Like what is the framing device that gets them week to week? Cause you know, flash has like the star labs thing where they're like, okay, this is the bad guy. This is what you have to do. We have the people who can figure it out. Arrow has like the whole, the whole thing there, you know, the arrow cave, the arrow cave. <laughs> like what are they going to do with Supergirl? I, I want to see what happens with that. Um, but yeah. Um, so let's talk about some uh, some more books. Let's talk about some books of the week. Steve, you mentioned Roche Limit before. Yeah. What's uh, what, what? What do you got to say about it? This is a book. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> a good start. Good. It's a book. Thank you, Steve. That was a great book of the week segment. I know, right? <laughs> Moving um, on. Yeah. Bob, what do you got? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, actually, first, I want to ask Bob because you handed this back to me. What do you think of Giant I Days? I love Giant Days. I'm will definitely buy the trade. Nice on that. <laughs> it very much had. You said it would be my book. Yes. And as, yeah, it is definitely Lumberjanes, but Mm -hmm. those girls grown up maybe. Yeah. But you have all these layered characters. They're unlikable and likable at once. You Mm -hmm. can picture why they'd all annoy you if you all hung out, (laughs) but why you'd love them too. Right. You want to put your arm around and say, it'll be okay. Nice. Yeah. Especially the, what's the goth lady, the drama queen? Oh, boy. The only name that I can remember off the top of my head is Ptolemy because it was just yeah, so the, so out there. Yeah. I, I she has her own issues with the the new boyfriend and or the old boyfriend rather. Uh, all their argue. names are on the first page. Yes. Uh, Susan Ptolemy, uh, Daisy Wooten, uh, Esther, Esther, Esther yes. de Groot. 
perfect. Just, just absolutely perfect. I knew a lot of people like that. Awesome. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I figured yeah, you would. absolutely did. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay, so yeah, we were talking before about how I've been collecting trades, and uh, we did a end of the year uh, thing with a lot of uh, comic book creatives and personalities and stuff. And like I said, Joey Esposito had mentioned Roche Limit, and I said, "All right." He like he caught my attention with his his mini review of it, and I said, "I'm going to wait till this is in trade." Saw it the other day, picked it up, and I mean. Wow, it's <laughs> it's really good. I've only read the first three issues, but when I tell you, like, I feel like each issue is almost a volume in in content and in and personality. And I'll I'll break it down a little bit as to how this trade or just how the story is laid out. Uh, just to give you the general framework of what Roche Limit is. Uh, the main story consists of a woman arriving in the central city of the Roche Limit colony. And she's looking for her sister. That sister uh, happens to be an acquaintance of this kind of disgraced scientist who has created this ultra drug of sorts called Recall. Uh, The way that Recall works is it basically locks you into your fondest memory and allows you to relive it for X amount of time. Um, Naturally, this drug has become a designer drug of the wealthy and like bags of it go upwards of like $25,000 and up. The thing is, is that this kind of disgraced scientist or, or chemist, he's the only one that knows how to make it properly. Nobody's ever been able to break it down and figure out how exactly it gets made. So he's kind of this untouchable, but constantly um, gone after personality within the city. The city only consists of about 10,000 people. Uh, the deal with the Roche limit is that it's this kind of giant satellite station colony that started off really well and kind of bustled into this big giant utopia of sorts where rules and restrictions were kind of thrown out the window and people were kind of just living the way they wanted to live. And when people don't have rules and don't have structure, you know, things tend to get out of control and the city just kind of ran itself over into where there's only so many people from it left, and they've all kind of removed themselves to this colony right outside of the main Roche Limit area. Um, So essentially, this woman comes into the city. She's looking for her sister. She meets up with this guy, and long story short, the two of them kind of wind up in the middle of this like inner-city drug smuggling ring of the people that are looking to gain the upper hand in the drug market knowing that this guy's drug is like the thing of things that everybody wants to do and nobody can get a handle on it. He's like the clue into where the sister has gone. So this woman teams up with him and it's like them getting away from the drug lords. There's this one main guy uh, named Moscow that's heading up all this stuff that's constantly after them. And it ends up being just this really, really engrossing experience science fiction straight science fiction um definitely has kind of like a total recall vibe to it the artwork is um somewhat akin to what you would see in like hellboy as far as like colorizations and stuff like that Uh, i should probably give you the creative team that'd be (laughs) nice of me uh if i can oh man it's written so small Um, i don't have my magnifying glass now the the names on the front i apologize are uh morsi and Malhotra for the the 
creative teams. I cannot find their names. I apologize. <laughs> I should have looked this up before uh, the podcast started recording. But my point is, is you, the guy that created the Roche limit, you get to know him. Like there are before at the beginning of every issue, there are kind of these um, like appendices and maps and blueprints and histories and files on how the Roche limit was constructed. Mm -hmm. And you get to see all the inner workings and where the colony is and how it got to be Uh, later on in the second issue. They give you like the entire backstory as to who he was as a child, how he grew up in the sciences and what his intentions were for the city and how it all fell apart in in front of him. Uh, Later on in another issue, you get kind of the, um, the, the recall drug you learn how it's made. You learn what it does in theory. You read like testimonials of people who have done it versus people who are skeptical about whether or not it's like some kind of chemical hoax. Uh, you get huge background on the main villain. And these are like straight up texts and files mm-hmm. and stuff that I mean, you're going to have to stop your, you know, picture and bubble reading and kind of <laughs> orient yourself to get back into reading two full pages of just straight information. Um, now why that, while that might break up kind of the rhythm of the reading, it's actually, I found it to be really cool because as soon as you hit like a major plot point or, or, um, like uh cliffhanger in the, like the last end of the issue, how they, they typically end issues with like, Oh, what's going to happen? Dun, dun, dun. Right after that, you get this like in-depth history as to what you're reading. You learn about the city, you learn about what it was supposed to be and what it is, how it fell apart. So now when you go back to the book and you're walking around the city, you understand why these sections of the city are like that and how they came to be that way. It's not just you're walking around in a dilapidated city. You know why it's dilapidated now. So now you have this whole huge context for this world that you're in and this villain where typically you would only get you know who he is because of the interactions that you have with him in the story. Now you have a whole page worth of text as to you know how he got his start in the business and how he, his rise to power. And you have all of this context for when you meet him in the book, you already know who he is, you know what he's done, you know what he's capable of, and he's that much more menacing as opposed to it just like being like, this guy is really bad, and he likes to threaten people with a samurai sword. You know why he's into the samurai. Mm-hmm. You know what kind of power he wields, and so on and so forth. Um so yeah, like I was mentioning earlier, nine ninety nine for the first trade. This is five issues of like five issues of a comic book, and they're meaty too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like you're done with it because of all this other supplemental material. It's almost like getting a double issue per issue. Um, and so far, it's just it's fantastic. I, I was I wanted to finish it by the time of the podcast, but it's so dense mm-hmm. that I could only get through three of the issues, and like walked away from it feeling like I had read something really significant and um, I'm enjoying the hell out of it right now. I don't know. This is another thing. Like how do we collect things? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would get the same uh, sense of like immersion if I didn't have it in this form that I could read it all at once and really get familiar with everything. Getting away from this world for a month might put me off of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And also to add before, before I shut up the, um, the character chemistry is really good. The drug lord dude is the guy that makes the drugs is kind of a smart ass. 
the woman that is engaged with him and following him around is um, really hardened and she, you know, she doesn't take any crap and she's like a big personality and stuff. And some of the people that they're meeting are such scum that they're, they're filled with like that sleazy, you want them to get kicked in the face. Mm -hmm. So uh, really, really super good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, It's Michael uh, Morsi and Vic Mahatra. Thank you. Now, I would say that those text pieces, mm-hmm. you're talking about them coming after cliffhangers, reinvigorate the idea of a cliffhanger in a trade. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. then you have 10, 15 minutes of reading that text and come back to the cliffhanger. When you read mm-hmm. cliffhanger endings, chapters yeah. in trades, yeah. and you turn the page, well... Yeah. It's like doing it on TV shows. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, this is the end! And yeah. then the next episode just starts. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's really cool. Like, I didn't even... Like I didn't even mention, there's like two other major things going on in this book. There's just, it's very, um, like I said, it's dense. There's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blueprints and stuff of learning all the, how the city works and why it failed. And it's just, it's a really, really neat uh, journey. They have a whole different solar system that formed after this major catastrophe. And it's smart in, in the way that it presents itself. Mm-hmm. Even like the drug stuff is very... Um, who like Michael Morsey writing it obviously did research as to different hallucinogens and their effects on the mind and what kind of hallucinogens can you put together that might do something like this. Mm-hmm. You add a foreign element from another planet, you know, like you can only find it in the Rocher limit buried deep down. And now that you have this whole huge smuggling ring. It's really, really neat. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much going on in this book. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, great. All right. So that's Roche Limit. Uh, Bob, what do you got for us? I am going to talk about. Uh, Come on. Sadly, sadly, it's Nightcrawler number 12, which is the final issue of this run by Chris Claremont, Todd Nock, Rochelle Rosenberg on colors and Travis Lanham on letters. Might as well get all of them in there because I'm not going to get another chance to talk about this fabulous book. As this issue opens, Kurt and his new ally, the space pirate Bloody Bess, why not? If you're a pirate, you might as well be bloody or black or something, right? Uh, that's how pirates are operate. Uh, well, they thought they had completed their their mission to reclaim Rico the Scorpion Boy and Ziggy, were two students from the Jean Grey School, as well as many, many dozens of other special children who have been inducted by Tullamore Vosges, which sounds like it should be some sort of uh, Irish whiskey, but isn't. Um <laughs> uh, but Vosges had a, a, a final ace to play, even while losing the battle. It's the Warwolves from back in the old Excalibur days, which are really interesting visual characters, if no one remembers Excalibur, <laughs> who can suck up life essences and be that person. And they're kind of funny at the same time, because it was Claremont and Davis back in those days. What we have here, though, is a book filled with, as it has been from the beginning, humor, heart, and heroism that comes in all shapes and sizes. The kids come up really big the relationships between these characters are spectacular and they're layered and dense and i'm I, i'm doing my best i am not going to spoil this because i'm going to recommend to anyone who hasn't read this they should buy the trades and read the whole thing in a lump as steve has come upon doing yep. of, of fairly recent vintage because for those who haven't been reading this series it's just it's mostly everybody based on the sales figures because this was it started well and just tanked it's it is old fashioned in a way and it's kind of wordy and it's that heroism that abounded in older books that will mm-hmm. 
Talk about a little bit of ethic as we get into multiversity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, moving forward into that. But you have action sequences that have consequence, actions that mean something into the grander scale. These are characters you want to spend time with. And whether that's uh, from the old days, Amanda Sexton, uh, Kurt's girlfriend back in the old days, or Rachel Aurora, Bloody Bess and her Crimson Pirates, the Banffs, Rico, Ziggy, everybody involved here. Let me just, before I can't say anything anymore, <laughs> uh, just thanks to the creative team and Chris Claremont and Todd Nock, uh, Rochelle Rosenberg, uh, Travis Lanham, everyone who put this out. This is just a little slice of comic book artistry. And I'm really sad it's over, but um, if you enjoyed the old X-Men that Claremont did with John mm-hmm. Byrne or Dave Cockrum or anybody else that was around back then or his Excalibur with Alan Davis, you should have been reading Nightcrawler. And it's still not too late to pick up the trade. So hail and farewell to Nightcrawler. Mm. It's also got a little bit, I find anyway, that's got a little bit of a taste of the Wolverine and the X-Men, Jason Aaron's mm, uh, run yes. for a while. Um, particularly in when inclu- like the inclusion of the, the kids. And uh, the Rico character is not somebody that I expected to grow really close to. Yeah. And between him and Ziggy, I mean, they're they're two of the bravest X characters I've ever yeah. read. And I'm assuming that this is maybe like, I mean, this is definitely their first um, like big story or big mm-hmm. participant story. But I mean, they were amazing. Like the, just the Nightcrawler stuff was really good. The bloody best, all the romantic elements of it and things like that. The pirate stuff was cool. But the inclusion of all of those kids and the their like their own personal mission and not backing down and, and going on their own and stuff mm-hmm. like that was really empowering and really cool. Yeah, Kurt would say, I, he, Kurt sends him away. You're not ready for this. And they're listening to his mental projections, and it's, no, we can't do that. You taught us to do something else. Yeah. And they come up huge. Yeah. And you get a, just a, for those fans of old X-Men books, you get a glorious send-off final couple of pages as we get a nice little recap back at the school and a final page to die for that I'm not spoiling either, but read this, just read it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm done. I'm done. Hmm. Read it. Read All right. it. Okay, so um, for my book of the week, I mentioned it before. I'm going to talk about Batman and Robin number 40, which um, is also a, a final issue. Uh, we're heading into Convergence after this month. So, um, you know, uh, some of the series, obviously, a lot of the series that TC is publishing are ending, um, restarting in different ways. Uh, this book isn't restarting in, in, its, in its same form. Uh, we know that. But uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason uh, have, and Mick Gray as well have been on this book since the beginning of the New 52, since issue one. And we've seen a lot of ups and downs. We've seen, um, you know, we've seen obviously the whole Batman and Robin saga. And then we've seen a Batman team up book yeah. when, Ro- when Damien was gone. And now Damien is back and we're, you know, we're back to Batman and Robin and uh, we're here ending what was began in uh, Robin rises. And, you know, I will say, first of all, that it's a, I think, a wonderful send-off to, to the series. Um, it really brings uh, the character of Damien um, full circle, I, I think, from where they, they started with him in the uh, first arc of Batman and Robin, where mm-hmm. he was a character who, um, you know, didn't know how to handle um, his emotions and his skill um, as a regular person. You know, he, he couldn't be counted on to not 
take lethal action, you know, because of the way he was raised, you mm-hmm. know, um, to in the point in this book where, you know, since Damien has gotten back and I mean, this is, this is not spoilers for this book, but this is the the state of, of Damien for the last couple of months has superpowers after, after his return mm-hmm. from, from death and going from someone who is homicidal, not being able to be trusted with his own hands to a character that is um, performing heroic acts, you know, with the most with the most power he could possibly ever have, mm. I think is a wonderful way over these forty issues to to bring that character to where he you know where he is. Um, I think that uh, they've really done a great job of making the relationship between the two of them, um, the father son relationship, really mean something, and I think they pay that off really really well at the end of this issue. Um, I, I think it's an absolutely fantastic read. I think the whole series has been great. Uh, Patrick Gleason has, is, um, I just want the, the solid month to month, great artist for, for this Batman book that doesn't get a ton of attention, but really, really deserves it. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's just been really, really nice to see this book go and to come back. And, you know, I think it wavered there for a little bit in the middle when Damien was gone, a couple of those middle issues, um, but since Damien came back, it's been utterly fantastic. And, um, it, it ends the way it began, which was that if, if I, be, I truly believe if Scott Snyder was not writing Batman, this would be still a fantastic Batman book. If this was the Batman book, mm-hmm. no, but I don't think anybody could really complain about, about wow. what was there. So, uh, great, great stuff. Um, sad to see it go, but also happy that it goes without, you know, anything really going awry that it ends where it probably it should end. And, you know, Tomasi said he's not done with the Bat Universe; that he's going to be doing stuff after uh, Convergence is over. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is because he just, qu- just quiet, like no frills, no bragging, no presence on the internet. Just huh. does what he does and writes what he writes, and I think writes a, a great, great book. Uh, Steve, what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. Mm. You know, I loved it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> um, we had a question this week, and. Uh, I don't know if you want me to. I, I don't have it in front of me. Oh. Um, do you know what it is? What it is? I think. I think. So. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. we had a question on um, for the podcast uh, that we should answer. I'm losing myself right now. <laughs> Apologies. Um, it, this book has meant a lot to me. I, I was speaking to somebody the other day. I believe it was issue number seventeen was the silent issue. Uh, uh, yes, I believe it's seventeen or eighteen of one two. Yeah. 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 I mean that that issue still resonates with me. Now, I whenever anybody asks me, like, what has been some of your favorite comics that has to be in there somewhere? And Damien, I I don't have a whole lot of experience with other Robins. I mean, I do, but not Damien's definitely the one that I've spent the most time with consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through that whole thing where in the beginning he was a brat. He yeah. was a real brat. But by the end of that first arc, when things kind of started to to sway and change a little bit, he grew into somebody that I really cared about and to go through this series from one to 40 and to not like him grow to absolutely love him and then to lose him and then to like go through this big, huge epic battle to get him back, to have him come back changed and, and all of that stuff. He's one of my favorite characters overall in comics because of this ridiculous journey that Mm -hmm. i've been on with him throughout these 40 issues uh it really didn't even occur to me that this was the last one until you just said something and my heart's breaking a little bit (laughs) um i'm happy to know that tomasi is going to be continuing his work in the batverse somewhere 
after convergence. Um, but this is something, you know, going back to the the other question, is this something that will be collected in some kind of like two volume hardcover mm-hmm. or like an omnibus of sorts? It's only 40 issues that can definitely, you know, bring the Robin Rises Alpha and Omega stuff mm, yeah. into that and make it one big collection. This is something that I would love to have like a definitive edition of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Batman, Scott Snyder's Batman is, has been consistently engaging for me, but this has been the Batman book with heart and, and I've tend to gravitate towards this one a little bit more than the other with as much. And that says a lot for Mm -hmm. as much as I enjoy Scott Snyder's Batman. Is that Ace the Bat-Hound? No, that's Titus. Yeah. But he's the Bat-Hound. Yes, he's the Bat-Hound basically. There's also Bat-Cow. And their cat as well. I love Bat-Cow. <laughs> All the pets. Bat-Cow's awesome. Bat-Cow? Bat-Cow was created by uh, the writer of our next book that no. we're all going to talk about <laughs> yeah, collectively. That <laughs> Bat-Cow is a Grant Morrison joint. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and that sort of thing too. Like it, It's been great. The character's relatively new, you know, and uh, I think he's quickly become, you know, I it takes a lot to sway me from my love of Tim Drake and he and Damien I, th- I think has. So, uh, great to see it go. And I'm, you know, I'm sad. Glee, uh, Tomasi won't be writing him anymore, but we do have obviously Damien, uh, showing up in some other books uh, after the thing. And mm-hmm. he has his own book that Patrick Gleason is actually going to be writing and drawing, um, called, uh, I think it's Robin, son of Batman or Damien, son of Batman. I remember what it's called. Nice. He has like a pet dragon on the cover of it. So I don't know what the going to go with that, but, um, uh, pet dragons, bunny suits. What's going on? Yeah, here? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Bat mites around. So, you he know, is. it's true. It's true. Um, Steve, I, I, I'm assuming that because you brought up the silent issue of Batman and Robin, the question you were talking about was the one from Maria asking about yes. books that make us cry. Just, oh, no, actually. Oh, okay. All right. We got a, we got a question about, like, what's our favorite three ongoings? Oh, three ongoings. Oh, okay, yeah. We can also answer that question. So Maria wants to know, other than I Kill Giants, which comic book has made you cry the most? Do I go first? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. It is the end of Superior Spider-Man, the Christos Gage um, special issue of, of Superior or Amazing. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I can look it up, but that moment where Peter's back, he's back in his body, and he's kind of making the rounds and and assessing the damage that Doc Ock has done while, you know, inhabiting Mm -hmm. his body, he sees Aunt May for the first time Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of Times Square, and she gets out of the, I don't know if it's Times Square, I could be (laughs) making that up, Um, she gets out of the car, and he rushes over to her, and he just, he apologizes for everything and anything that he might have done um, to her or, or made her not love him as much as she, as she always does. Mm. And I don't know what it was. I remember distinctly being on a plane and reading that comic and just sitting in my, in my chair and being like, it's it's so beautiful. And, and the person sitting next to me, I was coming back from Canada and they're like, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. You'll, whoever you left behind, you'll see them again. I'm sure. And I'm like, no, it's just a comic book. I, I'm fine. Otherwise and they're like, Oh, and they, they didn't want to talk to me anymore. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't cry very much at comics. I've become very sentimental and weepy, uh, in my older age. <laughs> Um, once a couple of people that were very close to me kind of passed and I really learned just how final, uh, death can be my, my dad in particular, it, things started to take a different shape when you, 
you get married and you you have this other person in your life or you're just you're you know involved with somebody that you can't imagine not being without you can't mm-hmm. imagine not being a part of their day just the thought of not being with them and not mm-hmm. being there is enough to kind of push me towards like you know quivering lip territory yeah, yeah. um television shows now like i mentioned before the parks and rec thing in cry but there were a couple of parts where I was just like, that is so nice. And I never used to be like that. Yeah. But for some reason, comics, it, it's, it, I think it's happened. I think it's happened two times, maybe three times mm. where I've shed actual like real tears mm. for a comic. The other one being, of course, being I kill giants. Yeah. Um, Dan of Spider-Man blue. Yeah. Yes. Gets me big yeah. time. Real close to that one. Gets me big time. Uh, that one line, like even when I'm thinking about it right now, I'm almost gonna start crying. Um, <laughs> gets me big time. Uh, and the last issue of Lock and Key uh, got me big time as well. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm a basket case. I cry <laughs> all the time at comic books and supermarket openings and you name it. Um, I kill giants certainly. Mm. I've s- talked a lot about Fantastic Four 267, which is called a small loss, and I'll leave it to people to. <laughs> oh, what the heck? Yeah. Sue loses a baby. Mm. And the final page is just Reed standing there in a, in a hospital corridor. Uh, the most? Captain Marvel 14, where Carol flies off into space to stop New York from being destroyed, knowing full well it could basically erase her brain. Mm-hmm. And it's as she sort of floats in dead space with her tears freezing on her face. And it's the the... The words of, you know, she showed us what a hero could be. Mm. She's our hero. She's Captain Marvel. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Gets me right there. Oh, and Silver Surfer Requiem also. Yeah. Kills me. Yeah. Kills me. Um, So, Steve, what are your three favorite ongoing series? Um, I just found the, it's, uh, oh, it is a Superior Spider-Man series finale. I was right. (laughs) Go me. Um, My current six sooner, by the way, asks us that question. Ah. Uh, my favorite current three ongoings are Deadly Class, Nailbiter, and Outcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bob, what about you? Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Ms. Marvel. Multiversity. <laughs> Does it count as a series? I think it's, uh, it's a miniseries. Okay, so we can't cut that yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. But I would have right. agreed with you. Okay. <laughs> um... So many of the ones I'm, I would say are canceled, so I can't say she hulk There were ongoings. There were ongoings, but we're, they're not ongoing they, anymore. That's true. Red Sonia. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, for me, it's it, Daredevil, definitely. Um, it's probably number one for me. Um, Saga mm. uh, as well. And uh, it's tough. You know, I, Batman is always up there for me, but, um, you know, it might be... I mean... It's funny because the, the the issue I think the most about right now when I think about this is that last Silver Surfer issue because it was so yeah. good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's it's, it's my, one of my it's in my top three, but uh, that that issue definitely was just so good that it like dominates my thoughts about <laughs> yeah. current single issues of books. Um, but yeah, nope. yeah that was the first series I thought of when I saw that question. Yeah, and if I if I could, um, I might re- I would most definitely replace. Uh, Batman and Robin. The only reason that I didn't mm-hmm. include it was because it was ending. Yeah. Um. For for Outcast, but whenever I never pay attention to when Outcast is actually coming out onto the shelves, that when Rob calls it out, it's one of it's like the first thing that I read when I get home. Cool. 
Yeah, very cool. Um, uh, toxics are uh, death vigil low, and they might not. They're not like us. Sorry. Nice. Uh, all right. That's uh, something that I'm waiting for the trade. For. They're not like us. Yeah, I read the first issue. Thought mm. it was pretty cool. All right, guys, let's talk about Ultra Comics. <laughs> Multiversity <laughs> Ultra oh, Comics. We so we are barreling towards the end of the Multiversity. Um, I believe this is the next last issue. I believe next mm-hmm. next month we are back with the actual Multiversity, and we'll see how all of these things uh, net together. If they do. I- I'm sure they're going to in <laughs> some way. I can't imagine they won't. Um, so, yeah, so this issue... Um, Go ahead. You explain yeah. this. There's, and it's funny thing is like, uh, even if you're not uh, to explain this issue, you have to explain sort of the 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 mythos that this series has built up yes. around this issue. So this issue has been a since like I think the first page of the first issue mm-hmm. of Multiversity, people have been reading this book, and it's been this this haunted comic that people have been reading. It's what turns that initial character um, bad. Um, and it's popped up throughout every issue of the entire series. It's been connective tissue, um, and it is the uh, it is the issue taking place on Earth Prime. So if people uh, don't really know what Earth Prime is, it's really kind of our it's us mm. it's our Earth. Um, I, I don't think they've really even discussed it since I, Infinite Crisis. I, yeah. I think is the last time they dealt with it um, with Superboy of Earth Prime. Uh, but it's supposed to be our world where superheroes don't exist, and so we read comics. It's, uh, but there, uh, there has been a few heroes that have popped up here or there. Um, what Ultra Comics does is, and it, it's it, the the cover of the book. If you guys haven't read it yet, um, says only you can save the world. If you value your lives, you must not read this comic. So the entire time the comic is happening, and. These aren't going to be spoilers, but if you want to know nothing about this book, then you, you probably should be listening to this discussion. Um, the book is talking to you. Um, and there are different narrators. Um, there are different people talking to you. There's one narrator, different people talking to you. Um, and they're basically all telling you the same thing. Stop reading the book. Yeah. Stop reading the book. Stop reading the book. Um, and you just, of course, because it's you keep turning the pages because you're going to read the book. Um, and uh, eventually... It just straight up becomes a thing where they're basically telling you that you are ending the world because you have you have finished reading th- this comic book. Uh, the book deals in in its micro or its you know it, it, it's it's sorry it's micro narrative which is about the multiversity and what's happening and what's breaking down all these walls. You you finally kind of hit the big bad of it all here. Um, but it's also dealing in a in a much larger meta narrative where it's talking about how we read comics, how we react to comics on the internet, how comics are written, you know, how they've written over the ages, you know, it, and it breaks down basically the entire history of comic books in, in, in one issue. Um, it is definitely, I'd say there, there's obviously been crazy issues along the way. Um, Pax Americana is very involved, but it's involved in its own narrative, right? It's, it's dealing with, it's complicated. It's dealing in different timelines, but it's dealing with its own, ideas this issue is like the the complete like locks are off you know the the madhouse like this is every idea everything that has to do with the series is just busting at the seams in this issue of the book um steve oh god (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of ultra comics Uh, (laughs) ah all right 
Um, I should say, wait, Grant Morrison's the writer. Doug Mankey is the is the artist. I just wanted yes. to say before you go. So go, go okay. Um, okay. I haven't read, I believe it's the last issue of Multiversity. It's okay, Mastermind, but you know, it has yeah. nothing to do with this, so don't worry about it. I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be yeah, a Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. I'll go. I'll say, I'll say this instead of talking about the the book directly. I will, but I'll I'll talk more along the series and where I am at this point with it. I'm really enjoying it. I find it to be absolutely fascinating in its delivery and its absolute craziness. I, I like the unpredictability of it. However, I I have especially with this issue. Um, formed like a deep frustration with the book and with the series in that I I don't particularly remember all the ins and outs of how this is supposed to fit together. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. Okay. Don't be... He, when he conceived the series and he talked about it, he conceived it as... The the two the two multiversity issues like the first issue we read where they all were in like that like galactic hub and they were mm-hmm. the spaceship made of sound the spaceship yep. made of sound like those that is, those issues are going to bookend the series all of the individual issues they have slight connections like a character will pop up a book will pop up mm-hmm. uh, you know somebody will mention something that has to do with something else but they are supposed to be taken as individual issues individual right. things that that introduce to you and build a world in in their in their own right right so you don't have to worry about the connections between to the other books like what i get what i get from this my own interpretation of this like kind of the scenario that i've given to myself is i imagine grant morrison going off to find like some kind of desert tribe and sitting (laughs) down with them and drinking this like really wicked hallucinogenic (laughs) tea and then they kind of just set him loose on the desert sands and he brought kind of a like Hunter S. Thompson esque recorder strapped to his chest and is just kind of like recording his ideas and ramblings and then came back and they're like, Hey, that's your idea for multiversity. We should do that as a comic. That could very well be what happened. It could be. Yeah. I'm just gonna pretend that like that's that. how that it could happened. be the next issue. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's that's known a, for stuff that's like a big reveal. Yeah. Um I'm having a lot of, uh, despite my frustration, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Like I said, the fascination is really what's driving me. I really am enjoying, fourth wall breaking doesn't always work for me, but it's very much working here uh, constantly throughout the whole meta-ness of it, the self-referencing uh, of the comic books, taking like you know comic book equivalents of physical copies of the books that we've bought and read and pushing them in a character's face and saying, like, do you remember when we gave you the chance to back out of this here, 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 and here, and you're constantly ignoring our pleas? You know, if you don't like what happens at the end of this, it is all your fault. Mm-hmm. We've been telling you the whole time to get away from this. Um, so I really am enjoying that whole sense of that the book itself is baiting you and daring you because mm. you paid for it. You're going to read the damn thing, yeah, yeah. but it's constantly telling you, you know, put this down. Yeah. <laughs> We're telling you flat out right now that if you turn the page and see the thing on the next page, just the the sight of that thing is going to have consequences that will ripple out to the rest of the world and you have doomed the planet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn that page. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, I love when you turn that page. I love what's on the other side of that oh page. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but, um, oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so weird. I mean, it shifts, it doesn't shift in tone, but 
it's so bizarre that at that time there were times where I had to really question like what am I reading and what am I reading this for if it's not going to really make any sense or have any kind of like cohesion mm. to it throughout the series but it's such a spectacle of a comic book that I can't not read it and mm. I can't like I can't put it down because it is so bizarre mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm a big fan of the bizarre. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a got a, a personal Twitter question a couple of days ago about, you know, what should I read weird comics? If you're not if you're listening to the show and you're not reading Multiversity, yeah. it's about <laughs> yeah. as weird as it gets right now. Yeah. Um if you're not going into like the like some of the stranger ends of the independent market mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um this is just way way out there. And it's really a great example of like an accomplished writer just doing this this ridiculously complex idea, but pulling it off with such personality and such splash that it's just a, a ride. It sounds really corny, yeah, but that's what it is to me. See, what, what, the thing about him is what he feels like to me is the biggest thing I can compare Grant Morrison to is he's like the comic book equivalent of like Hunter S. Thompson or mm-hmm. like William S. Burroughs. Like that's who he reminds me of, you know, it's like, yeah, obviously he's a much more like pop version of those people. Cause, um, well, pop, more pop version of William S. Burroughs. I mean, Hunter S. Thompson was crazy, but his stuff was, you can read his stuff and you understand it. It's just insane. Um, <laughs> William S. Burroughs, is one of those people who like, you don't understand what he's writing. Right. No. But, um, he's like the, the pop version of that, you know? And, 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 you don't get that anywhere else, and and so I find that to be intriguing. But everybody knows I love Grant Morrison. Uh, Bob, what what did you think of this? I think, first of all, the analogy I would use he's okay in jazz. John Coltrane, the saxophone player, began playing involved but really regular straight music, mm-hmm. and by the end of his career, he was out in space. He even cut a record called Interstellar. <laughs> well, he I, I think Morrison's the Coltrane of comic books. <laughs> it is just riffing on. Mm-hmm. Everything. This mm-hmm. book is about, to me, it's about dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It is outside the box, and it's navel-gazing of the highest order at the same time. Oh, yeah. It is a straight superhero narrative, and it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's It shows a complete love of the superhero art form and a hatred of what the industry uses the superhero art form to do when it yeah. could be something else altogether. It is just brilliant. It's laugh-out-loud funny and scary. I adored this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's early in the year, but this is definitely going to be in my short list of this. Mm-hmm. And again, it's mm-hmm. what, you know, not a hoax, not a dream, not an imaginary story, not an Elseworlds tale. This counts. <laughs> Somehow this counts. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. We've got cannibal children, superheroes from all eras, that two-page spread of, you know, activate superhero behavior mode. Yeah, yeah. And it's the 40s, 60s, 70s to, you know, who are you looking at with bloody faces and fists? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's his comment on everything. It is the ultimate superhero deconstruction or it's a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but I loved it. I, I love these four panels that you're talking about here. Like, yeah. One of them, which he seems like he's saving Batman from his parents yes. dying, which is definitely yeah. what we're saving there. Then it's sort of like that kind of like, the, I guess it's like I don't know what you even call this. 60s, 70s damsel in distress rescue the, yeah, yeah. the the girl. Right. This next panel where he's like, it's like the crisis kind yes, of equivalent. Absolutely. It literally made me laugh out loud. Uh, like yeah. the Y with giant letters Screamed on it. Screamed Why? Yeah, with the arms spread out, made me laugh out loud. Um, yeah, and you know, it's cool because you're absolutely right, Bob. That, that there is a underlying narrative here that's 
a pretty straightforward hero trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the I love use the dichotomy. I love the dichotomy of he's this character built to aid in the destruction of the universe. Right. But he doesn't. That's not, not his, his aim at all. No. Like he wants nothing more than to save the universe. Right. And he's constantly fighting to do it, and he's and by fighting to do it, he's constantly getting a situation which is causing the end of the yes. universe. And I love this sort of like it's in this Arobaris kind of loop where that he can't escape out of. Um, and then his evil doppelganger shows up. Yes, with sort of you know ec- ec- while he's getting text messages or whatever in yeah, his brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I believe these there's these these lines that are popping up these like these text message things which are kind of like meta it's like people commenting on the internet about the book. Yeah. I believe <laughs> this is the way that the first issue starts. I think you're yes, right. Yeah. I believe it's the way the first I didn't go back and look it but I believe it's No, you're way. definitely no, right. Yeah. I remember that. Um where the guy's sitting at his computer and he's like just reading the book or whatever like He's that. in a chat room I think. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that that's what it is. And I love oh, The Justice League of Bugs. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I loved the when the internet co- you know, comments uh, start coming about who the the bad guy is and who the mm-hmm. everything like that. And I just I really love that one turn of the page where it reveals the big bad <laughs> like on that desk, and uh, it just like it talking to you. I think yeah. it's just a, is a great moment. Um, and you know the art is crazy and bombastic. Doug Mankey is doing you know some of the best work I think I've ever seen him do, and I've seen him do a lot of great work. Um, but he he's obviously going all in on this as well. Yeah. Like he knows reading it probably that it's something that he needs to have his A game for. Um, hmm. You know, it, it's got you know it's got aspects of you know he is sort of like almost like a Miracle Man design, right? That's, yes. that's what it feels mm-hmm. like to me. Um, that, that that's what Morrison is going for. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just this is this is what I was hoping for, and I said this a couple of times when this series started, you know, because. Grant Morrison's my favorite comic book writer, but there are stuff that Grant Morrison has written that I don't like, you know, that I think that it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, he, he went for something, but he didn't work, you know, and it's, it's a shame, but, you know, whatever. This is the kind of stuff that I love that he does, and just, he's putting his full brain power behind it, there's, like you were saying, it's just, like, intricate and crazy, and yeah. it's, it, but it has, it has a ton of personality, you know, and um, and you don't know what's going on, and, you, and you're confused, but you're also excited, and I just love every every moment of mm-hmm. this um i can't wait to go back and and just sit there and read through all t- nine issues or whatever yeah. it is at the end and you know i i don't know if this this a lot of this feels like to me like his kind of swan song goodbye to like the, the genre in a lot of ways how do you follow this exactly like he's he's just putting it all out there um and you know, I know I'm a mark for Grant Morrison. I know people probably are like, "Oh, he's talking. He, he's going to love it anyway because it's the, the, this writer." But like, Bob is not. Steve. Steve no. is not. You know, um, there is a lot to to love here. And you know, if you want the great thing about the series too is there are books that challenge you, like this one, and then there are books that are just great fun adventures. You know, like mm-hmm. um, the 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 League of Superheroes. Was that what yeah. it's called? Uh, yeah, the Legion of Doc Fate, Doc Fate, that, yeah. that whole Society of Heroes, Society of Heroes. Right. That one, just a fun. It's an adventure. Oh, the Shazam one, was Shazam one as well. Like just a great fun adventure. Like you know, Masterman is is darker. It's like a red sun, but it's not confusing mm-hmm. at all. It's just a straightforward narrative in that way. You know. See, I came to this expecting a quick little visit in jokey form to all these crazy worlds. Mm-hmm. This sort of interconnected ultra narrative that isn't really connected but will be mm. perhaps, perhaps. Oh, who, who even yeah. knows 
boy, here's here's some hype. Are we reading this generation's Watchmen? Wow. That, that is some hype. Bob throwing it down. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, like, this has been one of the best experiences um, I've had reading comics yeah. uh, from beginning to end. You know, there, there has been just the fact that every month we get this little ball of imagination that's coming out uh, has been wonderful to me. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what, what people will look back on it thinking, um, but there is just some spectacular stuff in here that uh, is just the highest level, I think, of, of comic book yeah. work. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where you go from here. I mean, um, I believe it won best miniseries, I think last year f- for us. Um, and we'll, uh, I, I think it did. I think I'm it not was, sure. I, can't, I don't know. I can't, I can't have remember. To look that you have to look at it. I think it did. Um, and you know, it can't be nominated again for that, but single issues can yeah. definitely be nominated. And uh, I think, uh, some will be up for that. Um, but yeah, uh, ultra comics, uh, one, uh, check it out. And again, like I said to Steve, Obviously, I think that if you if you read the whole series, when you read the bookends, you're going to get a lot out of it because um, I think they're going to it's going to connect stuff. Uh, I, I feel like that the last issue is going to be like a hundred pages long or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, you can read individual issues of this and get a lot out of them. You don't if if you love if you love Watchmen or you love the Charlton characters, read Pax Americana. Yeah. If you love the Justice Society, go for yeah Doc Fate. If yep. you if you love shazam read thunderworld you know that, that you can get that stuff if you love red sun read masterman so there's stuff there for everybody there's stuff you can pick out and read and enjoy and you don't have to delve into eight other issues if you don't want to but um there's a lot worth it there i have to say this i'm concerned about the last issue only in that it is so great. Yeah. I don't know even how you finish it off yeah, I know. in a way that's going to make... I don't, it doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I want a huge ending. Oh, I yeah. want the bravura ending of yeah. all endings that can be that blow everything up. I don't even care. Yeah. If it's for the right reason and the only person left standing is Captain Carrot, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> but it, it's got to be big. It's got to be operatic in the grandest sense of things. Mm. I, oh, man. We can get to see Captain Carrot next month. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, and it did win. It, it uh, okay. best miniseries for our winner and uh, our listener okay, cool. as awesome. well. So, which uh, does me well. Maybe we'll have to break the rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll man. have extra people voting this year, it's so true, we, we will. We will have to vote the rules. We will. Ooh, it's um, going to be a shakeup this year. It yeah. is. Uh, so um, that's it for my book of the week. Stephanie's not here. It would have been her turn. Um, so we're going to pass it off to Bob. And th- we got a question that kind of ties into what you oh, were going to say. Um, so this is from the Arctic Beast. And he says, with Convergence Zero hitting stands tomorrow, which Convergence titles are you planning on checking out? Any suggestions? Well, I'm not buying a heck of a whole lot of them. I think I am going to try the Dr. Fate that Paul mm. Levitz is doing because I love what Levitz does. Certainly doing Nightwing Oracle that Gail mm. Simone's up for... Off the top of my head, without the list in front of me, that's where I'm. Those are the ones I'm most looking forward to that I know. Yeah, there's right the there. the Rucka one. He's writing the question. Yes, again. okay, that was yeah, the, definitely pick, one. Let me pick that one up. You know, for me, and, and this goes for how I deal with people. That kind of questions about uh, how both of these things are going to deal. Do they're going to do our pull lists? You know, are we going to drop things to pick stuff up? All that kind of stuff. And um, you know, for me, I think that what I always do with this stuff is if I see something I'm interested in, I'll pick it up. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll look at the creative teams, and I'll look at the, you know, the art, and, and I'll see if it seems cool to me. Some of them I'll wait for, you know, buzz about them. I'll wait for people to say something yeah. like, this issue was really great. I'm like, wow, I never expected, you know. 
this issue I had no interest in, you know, that was about Arsenal or somebody like that. People are saying it's amazing, so I'll pick it up and, and check it out. Um, but a lot of it me is going to be creative team. You know, it, it's it, I'm going to pick up the main convergence title um, because I want to know what's going to happen, and, and uh, you know, I, I think that I have I have faith in in dc's events i think they've done a very good job with them so i i'm excited to see what they do with that um but we're all going to pick up convergence zero yep. because that's what bob is going to assign this cool. week yeah. figuring what the heck stephanie yeah. probably will catch up with her opinions on it yeah but it wasn't something she'd be thrilled about yeah I mean, she should so, be here next week so she'll be able to yeah. review, review it with us hmm. um hmm. convergence zero you know i you know, the funny thing is, is that the the convergence and Secret Wars seem like the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's interesting to me. Like, obviously, th- there's no there's no chance they were planned together. There's no chance that anyone, you know, plagiarized anyone else. These are things that are are years in in, in the making. Um, but it's just it's like you know, you know Dante's Peak and Volcano coming out in the same the Armageddon year. and Deep Impact. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fascinated to see how that all was out. But just struck me, and I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Many years ago, there was an internet, but no one cared. <laughs> there was a crossover event that was DC versus Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it was fun and little battles that the readers voted on within the books and wrote in letters and who choose the winners and so on and so forth. Three issues in, without telling anybody at all, all the books... All DC and Marvel books were canceled for a couple of weeks, and they did Amalgam. Right. What would... It isn't happening. <laughs> but in a in another parallel universe, what if that's where this was headed? <laughs> that there's going to be one comic book universe. <laughs> in of, one of Grant Morrison's multiverses. Yes, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's world number 37. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's what's going to happen. Um, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I as we've gotten closer to them... And the kind of, I guess, shock of them has worn off. Um, you know, I've become not, I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I'm cautiously optimistic, at least about the, some of the tie-in books that they've announced, because I think a lot of them sound pretty cool. Um, and if nothing else, if we get a couple nice, like, two-issue hits that are, they're really neat with really great creative teams with characters that we haven't seen in a mm-hmm. while, um, I'd be totally okay with that. You know, it sucks to interrupt the, the, the path of the books, um, but you know, if, if good things come out of it, then good things come out of it. So, you know, I, I can't yeah. be completely negative on it. Um, we'll have to see what goes on with that. Um, so yeah, convergence number zero is going to be the, the TC book of the week. Um, speaking of that, let's, uh, let's see what some listeners had to say about, uh, about this book. I think it scared a, most, a bunch of our listeners off because a lot of them did not. <laughs> Again, this is a little bit more of a, a scary one to talk about. Um, so let's see TC book of the week. What we got here. Um, George Alexander said, absolutely loved it. It was daring crazy and was the kind of meta statement story I feel only Grant Morrison can really pull off. Um, this is Stacy HD. I enjoyed it, but am possessed. The Hello Earth Prime, <laughs> please buy many copies of Ultra Comics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is at Batfons. Nice concept. If you give yourself to it, the story takes on a whole new level of tension. Great art. Challenges the reader. A+. Um Randy Ziachoa says it's a it's as meta as Grant Morrison meta gets, and while I think I have a grasp on it, I can't be sure. 
Um, Eric Ryan 91 Ultra Comics is the most ambitious issue I've ever read and exemplifies Morrison's style grandiose bizarre and perceptive um, Hubert who is a stimuli file says I don't have a long history of comic knowledge to fully grasp what Grant Morrison is trying to say but he clearly is trying to make a statement anytime a writer tries to think outside the box is a good thing especially in the big two eager to hear how y'all interpret this book um, this is from Milena who is at uh Ten sh- I, uh, Do you, uh, ten chicken <laughs> Let me. <laughs> See if you, can, you can read that one, Steve. Uh, <laughs> no, I think you're right. Ten ten chicken Roku. I had yeah. it. I had it last time. <laughs> I used to know it by heart, but uh, it escaped me. I had a couple t- come in. Um, <laughs> took a picture of the book while he was reading it. WTF? <laughs> what is ha- what? What is happening? It's just the beginning. And I'm afraid to read on. <laughs> Uh, and that threw us over. What the hell did I just read? It was brilliant and totally ridiculous at the same time. Never read anything like it. Thumbs up. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what's going on. They're um, all right. Oh, we have a couple. Actually, sorry, we have more. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, this is from Martin Ramos. I loved Multiversity Ultra Comics One. Grant Morrison poking fun at himself and his critics was the best. The way he engages the readers is reminiscent of the Animal Man run, but much more in your face. Loved it. Um, Ultra Comics number one can't not get any more Morrison-y. Um, hashtag Morrison being Morrison. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then uh, Liberal Bastion says, "I'm going to sit this one out." <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's that's our uh, Talk Comics book of the week. If you guys want to h- chime in with your thoughts on Convergence uh, Zero at TCBOTW, um, and never fear, Stephanie will be back next week, and I'm sure she'll assign something appropriately indie for us to yes. talk about. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh let's do a couple more listener questions and then let's get uh get ourselves out of here. Ooh. Um, this is from Jim Hammond at Part Time Underscore Powers says, "What impresses you more in comics? A double splash page by J.H. Williams the Third or a twelve plus panel grid by David Aja?" Uh for me, it's the twelve panel grids by David Aja. I love following uh, art down the page. We had uh, we had an issue in Pax Americana yeah. when you were following them down the staircase. Mm-hmm just the you know strategically placing the narrative and and the the word bubbles and everything in a way that as you're reading it you're following characters across this page and through a room or through multiple floors as it were in that case um or let's say you know clint barton loses an arrow and we follow the arrow through you know 16 24 different things it's bouncing off of buildings and hitting somebody in the shoulder and it bounces off of their shoulder pad and then you know knocks a shield over i like those strategic things there was something also not too long ago where like the art worked in a spiral and you were you were reading Mm -hmm. you know from the left to the right and then inside and then deeper and deeper until you got to the middle um splash pages are if the art is your is to your liking, they're beautiful and they're striking. And when you turn the page, they're they're a lot of fun. Um, but sometimes with those two is because of the way that comics are. That if it's a, if you're reading it in physical form, that um, like the middle of the page, like the middle of the book where the spine is, that the image itself kind of curves in. That you have to like lay the book really flat and press it out to see everything of it. Um, can kind of detract for me from time to time. Uh, depends on you know how they present it and so on and so forth. It's really cool when certain things go over to another page. Mm. But um, as far as like the wow factor or the fun factor, I'm more intrigued by the kind of like 
pattern development of strategically placed panels where I'm having fun reading the, like reading the book's content, but also having fun reading the way that the book is structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Bob, what about you? Well, first, I want to thank Mr. Hammond for sending me a lovely birthday greeting. Oh. So let's say that, <laughs> say that first. Uh, then, boy, some of those J.H. Williams panels oh, did yeah. sort of draw you with into that. Oh, and, so, I, and I do appreciate that. But just when you're talking about the art of the creation of motion within the page that replicates the motion of the character within the panel as they go down a staircase or in that rocket girl issue where you saw yeah. uh, Dai Young go up and over in the page on the panel yes. up and around or the chase sequence. In was the it subway rocket term. girl that did the spiraling thing that I'm thinking of? It could she, be. She did it in that was issue two. I think it was. Yes. No, it was issue one. I'm sorry. It was issue one. Mm. There's but, also something in uh Batman Inc. That's like that as well. Yes. Cause they're fighting that place. I think called spiral. So that's, that's everything. The one. Goes, yeah. 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 Uh, Javier Polito in the she Hulk run mm-hmm. where he had her walking down the stairs with yes. Steve into the various offices. Mm-hmm. It's just clever. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is very artistic, and I don't mean to denigrate as someone who loved Kirby photo montages and crazy <laughs> double-page spreads. I actually put a burn spread up on our the favorite art thread. But that idea of taking the old-fashioned grid and doing something really different harkens back to Kirby doing Captain America where he'd punch his way out of the panels. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The panels weren't strong enough to contain Captain America or whatever. <laughs> and the idea that the... Uh, a gridded page isn't enough to contain the story anymore mm-hmm. is really very appealing to me. So I'm, yeah, I'm going panels. Yeah. For me, I, I think it's, it, uh, it, it, it really depends. I mean, I love like you were saying like the cleverness of using the structure of the book to outdo the structure of the book, you know, like mm-hmm. the physical structure of the book um, or using the medium of comics, which is again, sequential art to tell interesting stuff, you know, to do, do things differently than other people are doing them. Um, you know, but and I honestly, but I'd say that to this, like J.H. Williams, for me, what what I find most interesting about what he does are not just like the straight splash pages. It's those like crazy paneled, like intricate, you know, artistic panel layouts mm-hmm. that he does, where you know the panels aren't traditional panels, but they're definitely segmented yeah. into kind of storytelling blocks. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. some of those pages in Batwoman, you know, there are very few of them. I look, I, I, I remember the splash pages. I remember like that Sandman in the first issue of Sandman Overture, there's like that crazy double page thing, which it's not just splash imagery. It, it's right. paneled stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just not paneled in the way that you would ever consider panels in, in a comic book. As far as like splash pages, I I think of, um well, two things from Aquaman, that one where he's like calling all the creatures out of the water, yes, like the sharks awesome are coming up. I was thinking that yeah. same thing, yeah. But in uh, Throne, I think it's Throne of Atlantis, when the tidal wave is yes. coming in, like that double page spread of that huge ass tidal wave coming, that was one of the most impressive things I'd ever seen in comics. When I turned that page, I was like, whoa. Um, that was just a lot of fun yeah absolutely um that's uh paul pelletier is the artist on that i remember mm-hmm. that panel yep. i remember opening it being like whoa yeah <laughs> getting that feeling give me vertigo for a second yeah when i first saw it i felt like i was in a helicopter opening it up you know but it's it's all about how you use it too right i mean i think back i remember that that uh that page in um in the death of the family arc where it cuts that really wide shot of the joker and mm-hmm. he has his hands out and like the the, the dam is bursting and the water's coming up and yeah. like You've had you had so many intricately laid out panels right before that that it's it's like this release, you know. It's like doing that wide shot in a movie where it's just a different, mm-hmm. a different feeling about it. And uh, yeah, for me, it, it really does. You know, I do agree with you guys. I prefer paneled layouts 
over like a lot of splash pages you know sometimes they're great uh, and i i love them but i would rather see like intricately laid out panels that stuff i remember more is how do they cleverly get from this to this because then it feels like the artist is really telling a story mm-hmm. you know it doesn't be like they're just being like you know there's there's a lot to be said about just being an artist and being like look what the hell i can do if you just give me a whole freaking page yeah. to do what i want to do it's amazing but there's also the thing of them being a storyteller and them laying out the panels. I mean, like, we talked about Daredevil before. Chris Samney is a genius at, at, at that stuff. Yeah. An absolute genius at, you know, he, his, his normal kind of traditional panel layouts are great. And then he'll do these very untraditional ones that are just amazing. Um, you know, but for me, what impresses me the most, I, I have to say probably, is people being able to pace out their panels in a way that, um, think of that Chris Samney, the Silver Surfer issue of Daredevil. Right, yeah. Where you're all these little panels, and you turn the page, and it's just like Matt on the board with like this giant smile on his face. Yep. And it, you can feel like the buildup, and then it boom. You know that th- that pacing, I think, is 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 great. Especially if you can do pacing when you have no control over how fast people are consuming your media. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's why comedy always amazes me in comics because you have no control over how fast someone's reading yeah. it, and comedy is all about timing. So Superior Foes of Spider-Man was really good for mm, that. And absolutely. so is uh, Secret Avengers that's mm. had that's going on right now. Cool. Um, thank you very much for that question. That was a great question. Yeah. Uh, so this is from uh, Amy Devine, who is at Good Evening, uh, says, what character do you think deserves better writing characterization than they usually receive? Wow. Wonder Woman? We, we, uh, this... Someone else rang in with that as well, right? But I, I would say, Bob, you said too before, right, there's this thing where like, in the last 20 years, it's most the, of it's been good, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it, I mean, right now, obviously. The perception is it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But yes. really, if you go down that it was Greg Rucka and Gail Simone and yeah. Walt Simonson and John Byrne and mm-hmm. you know, some Perez and Phil Jimenez, yeah. Yeah. I, this pains me to say this because it's one of my favorite characters ever. It's Captain America. Mm. Brubaker's run is really, really good, though to me it still has flaws because it's still too much the soldier and not the icon. Mm-hmm. But much preferable to what's been going on. But it's been bland before. Mark Runwell wrote it for many years and there were some fun things, but they all seemed rehashed. Mm. Well done, but the same sort of last great cap run might be Mark Wade, mm. which doesn't say... It's <laughs> Mark Wade, but Wade Garney's was was pretty great. Mm. Yeah, I, I may go cap. Interesting. You have anything comes to mind, Steve? I really not. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, but um, I'm having a tough time too. Thinking. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, a, a character that hasn't been written well. Yeah. I I tend to. I mean, if I'm not enjoying a character, I don't read it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I I don't I don't particularly. I'm trying to think if there's anybody within what I'm reading right now that I'm not enjoying the way that they're written. I can't. I, I think a lot of the characters that we would have said maybe a few months ago, the, the, those things have changed. Like um, Catwoman was definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think any of us are like, are especially like loving the, the new run, but it's definitely not something that's like, you know, that I think it's just, that's a taste thing. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I'd rather see her in the costume doing Catwoman things. It's, a vast improvement over like the I, I just before. caught up with it over the past mm. week it's very buttoned down mm. is what i would say you know she's not in the costume she's not pulling off heist she's dealing with running a family and trying to make a name for herself and um i mean in catching up with it there's been kind of a at least one major sacrifice and 
it was very interesting to see how that was handled by not her, but a different character in the story kind of um, surprised me. And you expect a person to react one way or to behave a certain way, and then they don't. Mm. And that keeps your interest because you've kind of got your eye on them and they're they're interesting enough to you that you're following them through the series. Uh, and it if 40 was the last issue before all this other stuff starts, the final arc or the, the final issue was a really nice like way to cap it off and kind of usher in maybe getting back the the suited Catwoman. Mm. Um, but establishing herself as, as a force not to be reckoned with and gaining the respect of others, it really, it pulled that off quite well. Yeah. So, I mean, like that character came to mind before this latest few issues of Supergirl, I would have said Supergirl. Mm. Um, you know, but again, that stuff has been changing. So I, I can't really think of characters off the top of my head that I, I just, and again, maybe it's partly because you said, Steve, like I just, when I don't like a book, I just drop it. So right. I don't, I don't go through that that week to week, month to month pain that some people do because they just love a character so much they're gonna they're gonna stick with it and they're gonna stick with it when it's bad, when it's good, when you whatever. And I don't, I don't have that really about any characters. Um, so I don't, I don't feel that. I think the way that a lot of other people end up feeling it. Um, yeah. So, which is uh, actually good advice. Don't read books you don't yes, like. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't just keep writing a book because you feel like you have to, or because it's a character you love and you want to support that character. You gotta, you gotta vote. If if the if a book is gonna sell this amount of copies, whether they make it shitty or they make it good, mm-hmm. then you, then they're they're gonna choose to do the most of the time do the easiest thing they can possibly do. Yeah, you know, or do the thing that's gonna give them the most attention. You know, from outside the core amount of people are always gonna buy it. So. You have to vote with your wallet in, in, in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Wonder Woman right now. But again, her main book, yes, there's a lot of issues. Right. But Bobby, like, there the is, sensation is incredible. There is a book out yeah. that's showing her the right way. Right. And so that's also about like, and I think this is a lot about what like uh, Didio is talking about today. I was talking about, you know, with story trumping continuity, you know, yeah, with the with the main Wonder Woman book being fantastic, be great. Yes, it should be great. But is it really? Do we really have to ghettoize in our brain a, another book just because it's not just called Wonder Woman? Yeah. And it's a it's it's if you can get what you want to get from that, then read that, you know, and don't worry about the other book because eventually it's going to work itself out. Because if the if the sales plummet, it's going to work. They're gonna they're gonna get kicked off the book and they're gonna get somebody else in there. Yeah. Um, or they're not because there are people who like the book as well. You know, that's the thing. It's like what's sometimes good for the goose isn't good for the gander. You know, it's one of those things where um, things are going to work themselves out. They always flip. They always slingshot. You know, that's what always happens with, with just the, about everything. The Wonder Woman sales looks like they're going to end up right where they were before. before yeah, yeah. So it's probably a complete turnaround from the 40 or 35,000 who were buying it before the new 52. It's they've turned the audience over completely right, yeah. to somebody else who may be loving what the Finches yeah, yeah, are doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? Um, all right. <laughs> so this is from, uh, Sammy Cassell, um, on, on Twitter. And Sammy is, uh, he just wrote his first article for us about being a collector. Nice. Um, oh. so welcome to the team, Sammy. Also, uh, uh, we have Walking Dead recaps being put up uh, by our, our uh, guy named Jason, um, who just started as well. So thank you very much to him as yes. well. Welcome mm-hmm. aboard. Yes. She um, says, a number of writers have transitioned to comics. Um, he mentions Stephen King, um, Harlan Ellison. Uh, 
He mentions Joe Hill, I believe, and Neil Gaiman, but that's really not true because they both kind of... A little of both. A little of both. Like, Neil Gaiman, one of the first things he really ever did was write Sandman of note, and Joe Hill... Wasn't really didn't really become a famous novelist until after he was already writing comics. So, um, but are there any that jump the other way with success? So from comics into the movie biz. Hmm. I don't. I do not know. The only person that I thought of off the top of my head, I did see this question earlier, was Joe Kelly, in his work and working with comics, but then moving into animation. But I'm not sure which one he was doing first. Neither am I. Because Man of Action <laughs> is his studio, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know which one he was doing first or doing the the Because he's involved in um Ben Ten. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He was doing he he did um that Avengers Earth Mightiest Hero show as mm-hmm. well. Um I mean Big Hero Six, he's they're credited on Big Hero Six. Yeah. Uh but I'm not sure I, I mean I'm sure he started in comics. I'm but I don't know. I tried like hell earlier to think of an answer to this question and couldn't come up with anything and then ended up turning it into something completely different, which is what I usually do with people's <laughs> listener questions. <laughs> I started thinking of like different musicians that I would like to see write books or artists write books. Um Jeff Loeb was movies and then comics. So that's David mm-hmm. Goyer? Yes, David Goyer is yes, absolutely. David Goyer was a comic book writer now a very um about Joss Whedon. successful Joss Whedon the other way around okay went from film to comics um yeah so I, yes mm. David Goyer is one um it's weird cuz Jeff Johns is like sort of <laughs> you know yeah. cuz he like writes episodes of TV shows and stuff like that but not the kind of success the other way around i'm sure there's somebody we're forgetting um, See, I don't know. Like, I don't. So I don't follow. Who wrote a screenplay here and there? Yeah, Peter David did, or Frank yeah. Miller did. Well, Brian K. Vaughn, comic writer yeah. first, big time. I mean, he he was you know a writer on Lost. He's the showrunner of that Under the Dome show. Big success, you know, as far as going that way um, into things. Andrew, our, our first guest on the podcast, he, he um he was a writer for Cowboys and Aliens. Well, he wrote the the comic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. See, this is this is out of my wheelhouse. I don't like. I don't yeah, pay no. attention to the the beforehand stuff. Like, I know the I know the comic book writers as comic book writers. Yeah. You know, like if I see somebody's name in like the Arrow and it pops up, I'm like, oh look, there's so and so. But yeah. beyond that, I this is not something that I have my finger on the pulse of. Does but, Mickey Spillane count? He wrote comics first. He wrote for Marvel. Oh, he really? wrote, wrote Marvel books in the 30s before writing my camera and writing screenplays, even being in my camera movies. I, so I don't know. know if, I don't know if he counts. But uh, yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, um, uh, like yeah, like I said, it's like a screenplay here and like Englehart the same right. way, right? Yeah, stuff like that. But I don't know if it was like a runaway success um, in 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 one or the other. A lot of them into novels more than yeah, into like movies. Greg Rucka. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, mm, that's a great question. It's a good trivia question. Yeah. Who's absolutely. your favorite musician that should write a book, Steve? You brought this up. I'm not gonna. We oh, I got a bunch. <laughs> um, but give us I one. Would... <laughs> Uh, Nick Your number Cave. one, Nick Cave. I'd like to see Nick yeah. Cave. Yeah, that makes sense. He's done. He's done some film. Yeah, um, some good movies. Yeah, some pretty good stuff. Yeah. And uh, he just wrote a book about uh, airsick bags on planes. Of course, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, I think he would be he would be an interesting person to to put on a comic book. Totally. Um, I've got. I have something related to that. Okay. We, we're do, we're going really tangenty. Is there okay. such a word? Yes. Okay. Well, there, there is, is now. Yeah, there is now. Sarah Vol. Who oh, yeah, appears yeah. on NPR? Who you know she's Violet in The Incredibles yep. and writes these really dry arch books like The Assassination Vacation. Yeah, awesome. Those <laughs> her books are awesome. Yeah, she's like awesome overall. As yeah, a, so as I a, think she could write a really great comic book. 
Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, and this last question I'm going to direct right at Bob because I don't think that it will apply to Steve or I. Um, this is from uh, at uh, this is Chris Calloway, who's at uh, Cyber Cyberradsy. Name one comic creator living but not actively drawing or writing you would love to see produce new work. Stan. <laughs> that's that's easy. Do you that really was, want him to do you really But at age ninety? Okay, considering I, I can't the stuff have him the, considering the stuff that he has done in okay, the last few years. I can't years, have him at the peak of their powers. Yeah, no no no. Right uh, now, right now Steve Englehart. Okay. That makes uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing I think uh, Jerry Ordway is the only person I could think of. Yeah, he'd be on the list too. That Absolutely. I'd love to say do some stuff. But I don't have like like I don't have like that like list of people that no. yeah. used to write that don't write anymore or draw anymore. So it's tough for me to say. Um, Especially when we had Mr. Engelhart on here and he see, still seems so vibrant, yeah. and filled with ideas. And, yeah, yeah. We gotta have him on again. He he wanted to come on again, so we should we should talk. Yeah, to him we've again. got a great Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange. Yeah, all, all, all we didn't even ta- we didn't even talk to him about Batman. No, we didn't talk to him uh, one word Engelhart about Batman. Rogers. Yeah, Batman's yeah. were great. Um, oh. What's up? We, no, I'm just thinking. We've got another <laughs> guess. We have to grab a hold of again. We had a cool uh, video game related question. Oh, oh yeah. The what comics you like to see made into a video game? Yeah, yeah. I think that was Maria. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Did I, did, you have I couldn't. For I that? couldn't think of one. So that's why I didn't ask it. Oh, <laughs> that's how this that's works. What you get when you're in control of the asking yeah. of the questions. <laughs> Can I answer really quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think Days of Future Past would be a cool uh, make for a cool video game. And uh, Spider Island, I think, would also be cool. That would cool. be cool. Yeah. That would um, be really cool. That's all I got. Yeah. You said or musical. She said or musical. Let's be fair. But I want the musical version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> I want Superman singing like an opera, <laughs> an aria with Supergirl in his arms. You know, have it play, be played by um, Pavarotti or something. I don't know if it's a musical, but there is an off-Broadway I Kill Giants that exists. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um I'm now I'm thinking of I'm measuring show tunes, but Crisis on Infinite Yeah, <laughs> Multiversity. Yeah. <laughs> Multiversity of the opera. Yeah. Do not read. I <laughs> imagine um, like a lavish Broadway number of Crisis, though, like with the like like the like the Earth moon behind them. And yeah. Like it's really serious, but yeah. they're dancing. And they're like, <laughs> there be people flying that can do that yeah, now. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Dun, totally. Dun, dun. Rockettes. Do we have rockets in the background? Absolutely. The, oh, mon- the anti monitors as the, the cannibal children. Can yeah. Be yeah. There's such a funny Spider-Man musical joke in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Did you watch all of Oh, yeah. It's so great. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Um, you guys should go to TalkingComicBooks.com and check out all of our awesome content that we've got for you guys. Reviews, columns, um, and our bevy of podcasts. Um, we have got... Of course, The Misfits with um, Stephanie Cook, uh, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Uh, we've got Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. We've got Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. They just did The Iron Giant. Oh. Yeah. Brian had not seen it before. Oh, boy. Yeah. Did he love it? Niagara Falls, Frank. He did love yeah. it. <laughs> um uh, we, of course, have Talking Games. Uh, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Jackie Turner, and Rob Newmeyer. Yeah. I'm assuming there'll be some Bloodborne talk. Oh, well, I'm hosting the show. You know there's going to be some Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne, Axiom Verge, Battlefield Hardline. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of games this week and answering uh, some listener questions. Cool. Yeah, just a, you know, just a hangout week. Nice. Um, and uh, make sure you check out uh, uh, our special edition feed where Comics and Coffee, that's live every Friday at 9 a.m. 
with me and Nikki Alfaro, and also uh, Justin and Rob uh, backup stories, yeah. which is their yeah. uh, their uh, the show. They, they they do a little bit more like shorter, obviously, and they talk more spoilers about books, and they and they uh, just talk about some different books. And usually, we talk about uh, on this show um, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Uh, facebook.com slash talking comics and podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email address. You can find me at, at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And you can, of course, find Stephanie at Hello Cookie. Everywhere. Everywhere. Um, Bob, do you have anything uh, that you wanted to add before we close out the show? Nope. It, Amazing. Only, huh? if, I, if I ask Bob, <laughs> that's no fun. Oh, Never. wait a minute. There's no fun. We didn't do what books we were looking forward oh, to. Yeah, we didn't oh, know. Hey. What are you excited for, Steve? Uh, He's got nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I've been coming prepared. <laughs> okay. Uh, cluster number three hits this week. Uh, Convergence number zero that Bob had assigned. Nailbiter number 11, Spider Gwen three, and Uncanny Inhumans number zero. Oh, cool. I didn't realize Uncanny Humans was coming out. Yeah. It's a good thing we did this little thing. Bob, what about you? Well, we were talking before about movie people. It's George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 3, number one. All right. Is that, is that all that you're excited for? That's, that's <laughs> the, it's, a, it's a light week. There's a Gotham Academy endgame. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that could be very, and the same creative team, so that should be fun. Nice. That's cool. And time's still running out in the Avengers. <laughs> uh, Hellboy BPRD. Uh, mm. Number five is coming out, Ooh. which is cool. Is that the last his, one? I think it's his first adventure they're starting to tell stories of. Yeah, that's what it is, five of five. This is what it is, his first time with the BPRD, yep. nice. which is great. Um, it's been a great series so far. Um, uh, Batman Robin Annual, number three, which I guess technically this will be the last issue of that series. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got. We talked about Convergence, obviously. Um, Bobby, you excited for Harley Quinn? Always. 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 <laughs> And uh, soon there's another mini coming. It'll be Harley and Power Girl. Cool. It's, uh, uh, Palmiotti and Connor and the usual nice. gang. Uh, Black Science is coming out mm-hmm. this week, which I'm I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern Bastards, number eight. New Arc, right? Yep. New Arc starts. The New Arc begins. Sweet. Um, yeah. You know what? You know what I'm not super psyched for? <laughs> What's that? Amazing Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I just like I I don't feel the the zest for it anymore. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I love the character. I love yeah. Dan Slott and all that stuff. I haven't... The Spider-Verse stuff really kind of deflated me just a little bit. A little bit. It's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. Spider-Gwen number three, like you said. Um, excited to see if that's going to keep up the uh, the upward trend of that series. Mm-hmm. I think it should do. Uncanny Avengers number three. Uh which has been great if, if you haven't been if you fell behind any other series it's been a really great catch up uh, Daniel Acuna great great art um what was it and that's that's I think that's what I'm excited for yeah all right it's a good list yeah so we already said all our goodbyes we already said all our information yeah we could just stop yeah. right now yeah just uh, boom so that's gonna do it for the Tongue Comics <laughs> podcast for this week for Steve see you later Bob good night I have been Bobby until next time on Talking Comics to be continued <laughs>